Hello listeners, this is Thomas uh, with a bit of an intro here before we get to the uh, bonus episode. We're putting out uh, just a bit of an apology first off. Adam and I were not able to record the Penelope Cruz episode in time to come out this week due to just some you know personal issues uh, that came up in our lives. Uh, don't worry, everything should be good, and we're hopefully going to be recording that soon and have it released uh, for the usual Tuesday slot next time. But, you know, in the meantime, since uh, we didn't want to have nothing come out this week, we figure why not take something from behind the Patreon paywall over at patreon.com slash dedvpod. We release a bunch of, you know, bonus audio on that Patreon, and, uh, you know, given it's March still, we decided to put out last year's March Madness bonus podcast, where basically, along with Adam and myself, we had friends of the show Caitlin Turner, Case Gerard, and Shaquille Lambert uh, go head-to-head to determine the best movie villain. There's lots of twists and turns that are very interesting in here. Hope you all enjoy it. And maybe it entices you to become a patron, where for just $1, you get access to audio commentaries and top 10 lists, and even this year's March Madness podcast, in which, um, along with Adam and myself, we have guests Jessica Scott, Jonathan Havda Mikhail, and Talk Film Society's own Marcelo Pico on to break down the best movie sequel. It's a lot of fun. Uh, for $1, dollar, you get access to that and all sorts of other great bonus materials and polls to vote on and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and also, just a bit of a timely shout-out, I was on the most recent episode of Have Not Seen This, uh, which was another bonus podcast where we broke down the Oscar nominees, uh, given this is you know being released a few days before the Oscars come out. Uh, myself, Rafe Telsch, Mel Gore, and Emily Slade were all... Uh, going back and forth again this year about this year's nominees and who might win, who should win, all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, you can probably have a link in the description for that or just go over to Have Not Seen This uh, over at Podbean. You'll be able to find that episode. Lots of fun to record. And, uh, you know, that'll be very timely and fun right before the Oscars come out. And shout out to uh, Penelope. Hope uh, you may or may not win on that for your great performance in Parallel Mothers. But anyway, let us go on with the podcast from last year, the March Madness all about the best movie villain. Hello, edged lords. Get ready for some March Madness. All right, Adam, I got my basketball shorts on, my bat shined, and I'm ready to hit a puck. Uh, Thomas, did, did you think we were actually doing a real sports thing? Oh, we were doing a sports thing? Hello, Edgelords. Welcome to the Double Edge Double Bill. Uh, we are here for another bonus episode, the one we at least guarantee every month. Uh, I am Thomas Mariani, and I am ready to uh, go ahead and recount some villainy here for a long, long time. Hope you guys got your feedback strapped on and whatever the hell else you need, because this is going to be a long one. Yes, that's true. Adam Thomas introduced himself to all the patrons who donate money to us. I- well, I think they got it. I think they got it. If they don't, then they're not true patrons, are they? <laughs> if they? If they give us money, they are true patrons, and we love them and want them to keep giving us money. <laughs> yeah, I'm Adam. Give me your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, we're not the only people here. This is interesting. This will be the first time we have done a podcast for at least our show with uh, more than one guest. So it'll be uh, chaotic fun. As uh, we have three other participants with us for this bonus episode, which we're doing a March Madness bracket, 
which um, I, I love seeing these on Twitter and other things where people like post up, hey, re- go ahead and uh, go down the bracket, see who's the best, you know, Disney character, some of these other things, and we chose for the uh, various different movie villains, which uh, was picked by ourselves as well as our guests here, who we'll introduce now. Uh, you might recognize their uh, voices from the main feed and also the Patreon. Uh, first up, uh, coming down, number five is Caitlin Turner. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to talk about some of my favorite villains. God knows I love them so. Yes, for sure. Coming up next down the line, number 37, Casey Gerard. Casey, welcome back. Great to be back. I am ready to yell about why uh, Planet of the Apes has the best villain. Ooh, very interesting. We'll get to that. And then, coming down for his first time, behind the paywall, number 12 again, I think. I don't know. I think I just said that for Caitlin. I'm not sure. It is Shaquille <laughs> Lember. I can never tell with the asterisk. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Listen, I'm here to tell you why all you motherfuckers are wrong and why I'm the only opinion that matters. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, we gonna fight, I have a feeling. <laughs> Caitlin, we gonna throw hands in a minute. <laughs> but you know we love each other. Exactly. That's it, Shaq. You, me, Kroger parking lot midnight. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Rap battle, see you there. (laughs) Oh god, no, not you doing a rap battle. (laughs) Bro, listen, Casey got them bars, bruh. You don't even know. (laughs) I got them lyrics, ain't got no beat, but I am all on fleek. Mm. You live in New York, you live in the birthplace of hip-hop. This man. I live a half a mile from Biggie Smalls. (laughs) Who is still there, but don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Already off to a chaotic start. Which is what we want here, for sure. Well, I, just love, I just love that we're doing March Madness and there's five of us, and we would be the worst starting line in the history. One hundred percent. My knees would give out running to clap hands, like coming out and be like, "Oh God, oh no." <laughs> Casey would apparently fucking rap. Like, I didn't even know that. <laughs> hey, I'll have you know, I played basketball for three years until my parents let me quit. <laughs> so it sounds like you're really committed sounds like you gave it your all and I threw a football once and then when I woke up in the hospital the doctor said not to do it again <laughs> well everybody everybody let us get this started here just some brief ground rules to establish everything we have 32 movie villain choices uh, that were picked by all five of us here um, as well as from our loyal patrons a couple of them will shout them out as we get to their choices for each matchup we present of our various movie villains here, um, our participants will decide a winner. Each participant's decision counts as one vote, and whoever gets at least three out of five uh, votes wins that particular match. Uh, decisions are made more based on the character's merits, so like their actions, the performance of the actor, their lasting popularity in the cinematic landscape, uh, not so much a one-on-one fight, because in many of these cases that would be extremely unfair. Um, and more yeah. Impo- and, uh, I, I'm still- Still using that to, to sway my vote. I'm telling you right now, that's oh, still going to factor oh, someone, it. <laughs> He's a rebel, a renegade that breaks the rules. Um, <laughs> and only depictions of these characters in films are to be decided on, so acts done by Darth Vader in a TV show or Thanos in a comic do not count toward the merits here. However, uh, if that, does, that doesn't restrict you from one specific film, their actions and depictions throughout a film franchise are open game 
to make one's decisions. And uh, so we'll be going in a rotation here, um, where it'll be Caitlin, Casey, Shaquille, Adam, and then me. And the way that'll like rotate around is for each matchup, the person who went second will be the first one in the next round. So Casey will go first the second round, then uh, Shaquille will go first the third round, etc. Onward and all that. And the last person, the last of these uh, villain characters standing will be the official winner. No takesies, backsies. It's set in stone and canon. And they get a $15 Dunkin' Donuts gift card. We do not guarantee that. <laughs> I guarantee that at all. <laughs> I have a Jimmy John's card with three stamps in it, so they can have that. I think it's expired, but still. But is everyone ready to do this? Ready. I'm ready. down. Yep. All right. So let us get started with our first matchup, everybody. Right off the top... We have um, an interesting one uh, from the Men in Black franchise. Uh, from the first specific film, it is Edgar Bug, as played by Vincent D'Onofrio, versus the uh, one of the few Disney villains, surprisingly, on the bracket here, uh, Mother Gothel from Tangle. That is our matchup. And so let us start the rotation with Caitlin. How, who are you uh, going with? What's your, uh, your methodology? Mother Gothel, it's not even a competition. Ooh, explain, please. To me, she is one of the scariest villains because there are so many people like her. Emotionally manipulative parents who fuck up their kid. And in Mother Gothel's case, she not only fucked up one, but two. It's uh, it's very accurate. So uh, we'll go ahead and go to our next person, Casey. Where do you side on this? I like Mother Gothel a lot. I think it's a great performance. I put her in my notes as Gaslight Mommy, and I think it's very effective. (laughs) Uh, but Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black is something, par- no pun intended, out of this world. It's a buddy comedy. It doesn't even need a villain. You could do this plot with something in space is going to blow up and these two guys have to work together. But they have this villain, and it's just Vincent D'Onofrio going all in on every line delivery, on every bit of body language. Just watch him go from point A to point B, steals the show every single scene. Okay, so it's a one-to-one so far. Shaquille, where are you going with this? Uh, I'm going to be real. I'm Team Gothel, because Gothel, <laughs> first off, she bad as hell. I got to I gotta be real. <laughs> um, Shaquille picked the winning team. Listen, yeah, listen. She's ga- she gaslights the fuck out of her puzzle, and it's like, it's disgusting how fucked up, how much she just fucked her up to the point where she can't leave the tower because of just like, oh, everything will kill you. Like, bruh, like as much as I think Edgar is great, like, you, like Casey said, you could really just have any kind of other vi- like you could take him out of the movie, honestly. And I don't think anything would really change because the main focus of that movie is um, the relationship between Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, as opposed to Tangled. I think. Everything that Gothel does to fuck up Rapunzel is crucial to this story. So I'm going to go Team Gothel. All right, two to one. Uh, the next decision could be the deciding one. Adam, who are you going with? It ain't the deciding one because I am Team Edgar as well as Casey uh, for many of the same reasons as he said. And uh, also, anytime I watch that movie, which is quite frequently, Men in Black, the first one's one of those one that anytime it's on, if I can't figure out to what to watch, I'll watch the whole thing. And uh, Vincent D'Onofrio never doesn't bring just 
a smile to my face based on his performance. And he's also genuinely sort of terrifying and intimidating at the same time. Um, I just think it's a brilliant work of physical comedy as well as just genuine menace behind it. Uh, I'm hashtag team Edgar. Oof. Okay. So it's now down to me, my decision here. This is very interesting because Edgar was one of my choices. Um, with my choices, I definitely was sort of filling up between more obvious choices that I think more people would want us to have on the list and interesting ones, and Edgar's definitely one of the more interesting, weirder ones that I picked. Um, and I love that movie I've talked about in the main feed, um, especially Edgar Bug. I think it's one of my favorite sort of villain performances. D'Anafrio particularly uh, was stuff like, matter. like stuff like that is great. I, I think he's phenomenal in that movie. But I gotta say, upon especially revisiting Tangled for the first time in quite a while, I think Mother Gothel, I agree, is the stronger character. I think she has a much more intimidating villainous motivation and the way that she does gaslight I think is incredibly like there's a relatability to it but also I think she's pretty underrated amongst the Disney villains as well and I'm glad that she made it on the bracket and honestly I'm gonna go with her and you know what I will say that Mother Knows Best is an underrated Disney villain song as well that speaks to a lot of I us. love that one so and the fries yeah. is either be- even better too like she just goes full vocal nuts that is the only song in the soundtrack that I like. Mm. If I, if I'm gonna be a hot take. Okay. Okay. Why? Why Kaylee, Kaylee, Tangled is an underrated it. movie, and more people should talk about it. Yes, I just don't like should. music. Okay, that. I was gonna say, Kaylee, we might have to do a team up on Casey real quick. <laughs> we might. It's gonna be pile driver. Well, you, you know what, Casey? Your opinion stinks. I was talking to her. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we are going forward with Mother Gothel has won the first round of our Mantra Madness bracket. What an interesting start right from the top. But now, our next matchup here, two uh, pretty big uh, technology titans, I would say. We got Agent Smith from The Matrix versus HAL 9000 from 2001, A Space Odyssey. And we are first going to Casey for this round. Casey, who do you have in the pocket? I'm going to start by brown-nosing it. Whichever the two of y'all put this matchup together, thank you. I love it so much. They're kind of the same villain. They are an AI that vaguely symbolizes a potential path of human evolution. And between the two, I'm going to go HAL 9000 just because I like old school shit. But also, they have... I really love how he's able to be so menacing without even being a physical embodiment. All you see is a lens on a monolith. And yet he is still able to cause so much damage and chaos. Because it, it's easy with Agent Smith. Like, okay, he has guns. He can show up everywhere. He can take over people's bodies. He can mess with your body. But if you're able to have that same menace without the even having a person there, I just find that so impressive. All right, then. So, Hell 9000 gets the first point here. And uh, we'll go next to Shaquille. Who are you going for? Hey, this matchup is between my second favorite movie of all time and a movie I don't fucking like at all. <laughs> so... Here's the thing. How 9000? He's he's probably the be- he is the best part of 2001 a Space Odyssey, that's without a doubt. But that movie makes me fall a fucking sleep. As opposed to the with with Agent Smith, every single bit about him should be plain as fuck. It should be it should be like the basic villain archetype, like very boring. But Hugo Weaving manages to make it the most insidiously scary kind of character. And not only that, like, he's already scary as hell in the original Matrix. Then once he gets the ability to clone and multiply himself, it's... Whew. <laughs> I am not trying to mess with that. But it also leads to, like, some of the coolest shit I've ever seen in the movie. So, like, 
Agent Smith all the way, baby. All right, then. So it's now one-to-one. Agent Smith gets a point there. One of the ones and zeros goes in Agent Smith's favor. So now uh, we'll get to our third person in this particular round. Adam, who are you going with? All right. Full disclosure, uh, Agent Smith was my one of my picks. But... Uh, man, I gotta go Hell 9000. I gotta go. It's just it literally for... Like, don't get me wrong. I wasn't swayed on it until Casey said what he said, and he's 100% right. It's an incredibly menacing and villainous performance, and it's just a disembodied voice. And yet, um, like the movie or hate the movie or however you look at it, everybody who's has any sort of understanding of that movie knows Hell 9000. They, they even know the voice. They, they know all of it. And uh, for that, for lasting power and just... Yeah, nah, hell 9,000. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> I'm almost Fuck. begrudging. Another point. <laughs> hell 9,000. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So, two to one now uh, between the two. And uh, I'm not intending to make this more tense uh, with my choice here. But I'll say I think both are very worthy villains. To really say this, uh, Casey with the seeding, like Adam and I chose a lot of these uh, for the seeding together. And I think it is a perfect matchup. I think it's a really appropriate one. And I'll say that I, I slightly would go to Agent Smith. If nothing else for the fact, while HAL 9000 is great, I would say that Agent Smith gets a slight bump for me, if nothing else, for being the best part of the Matrix sequels that followed, which I don't hate like a lot of other people do, but just seeing Hugo Weaving mugging through some of these, like, various sequences that feel like laborious and long, particularly in the third uh, Matrix Revolutions, like when Neo ends up resurrecting, and he's like, no, no, that's not, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's so good that I think that makes me slightly go in Agent Smith's favor, though not to disrespect HAL 9000 whatsoever. Uh, but, two to two, deciding factor, Caitlin, who are you going for? Who got a little hot in here, didn't it? <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. Uh, okay, so I'm going to be honest. Uh, I love Agent Smith, obviously. I also love HAL 9000. To me, HAL 9000 is, in a way, scarier than Agent Smith. Because, especially as we go into more of the technological age that we've been entering, entering I'm just waiting for the computer overlords to take over. <laughs> We're waiting on it. Uh, but to me, considering how much more time we get to spend with Agent Smith and just the amount of stuff he was able to accomplish, I think Agent Smith's going to take it for me. All right. So Agent Smith progresses forward. Not a lot of fans of 2010, the year we make contact. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll just dislike Roy Scheider. <laughs> no, here's the thing. I love friggin' How 9000. I do. I just like Agent Smith's just a little better. All right. All right. We will continue onward here with our next matchup, which features uh, one of our first Patreon choices, the first of two. Uh, shout out to James Rodriguez, who picked from the Back to the Future franchise, the. A uh, man who does not know what a tree does and why that saying works at all. Biff Tannen versus the primo menacing lightsaber wielding Sith Lord of the Star Wars franchise, Darth Vader. Very interesting <laughs> matchup between the two. We're going to start with Shaquille this time. Shaquille, who are you going for? I'm going to be real. This is a complete, like, you know how we were talking about how the previous match is like a perfect match of like, 
the two similar qualities. This to me is a complete and utter mismatch because like Biff is great, but Darth Vader. I don't even really need to make an argument as much as I can just say it's Darth fucking Vader. So yeah, Darth Vader. Okay, not a lot to say about Darth. <laughs> no, Vader. No, I don't. I really Damn. don't. It, it's not <laughs> like literally. This to me is not even worth having a discussion. <laughs> Glad that we could have you <laughs> on for the discussion. <laughs> I, know, like, I know this whole purpose is to have a discussion. To be fair, admittedly, I don't have that much of an affection for Back to the Future as much as everybody else does. But at the same time, I think, like, I think again, Biff is like a really fucking just funny kind of villain. Um, but yeah, Darth Vader is maybe the single most iconic villain in the history of existence. So like, <laughs> like not not even that I might vote for him to the end. We we don't know, but just Vader in this case is mopping the floor with Biff. Well, okay, so so well, let's move on then to Adam. Where are you going? I mean, look, I love Back to the Future so much. I love Biff Tannen as the villain, especially in like the first one. He's a horrible, horrible, like basically a rapist. And I mean, he's just a terrible human being in all three of them, really, except for maybe when he's, you know, Mad Dog Tan. It's definitely more uh, sort of comedic relief. But uh, I, I've always loved Biff. But, uh, you know, it's hard to argue with Darth Vader. It is Darth Vader. I think Darth Vader, for a lot of people, a lot of kids, is sort of the prime first example that they can think of as a straight movie villain. Even if you don't count the movies that came after or whatever, even if you only count the original trilogy or even the first movie, uh, just his entrance alone in a new hope is, is just so terrifying and yet masterfully done. And it's just his costume design works. James Earl Jones voice works. David Prowse's body works. Just everything is kind of perfect about Darth Vader. Uh, so yeah, as much as I do love Biff Tannen, I'm going to go Darth Vader as well. Yes, yeah, so Darth Vader gets two. R.I.P. David Prowse, you made that body work. All right. So, so now it is my turn. You are a terrible sports announcer. Buddy. Yes, I am. Yeah. It's more like the end of an auction. So, to that man over there. Um, anyway, with, this is interesting because Darth Vader was one of my choices. Um, mainly because it sort of felt like, oh, hey, you know, he, Darth Vader has to be on a movie villain's bracket. Of course, he would have to be. But I'm glad I at least had this so I can potentially sway a deciding vote because I mainly picked Darth Vader to not only have the obvious choice on there, but also to argue against this obvious choice. That's right, everybody. Chaos is coming in because you know what I got to say about <laughs> Darth Vader? You know what I got to say about Darth Vader? When you count the entire franchise, he has a garbage arc. Like, that entire film <laughs> franchise from Anakin Skywalker as a little kid forward, it is a garbage arc involving this character who, like we mentioned, like, so intimidating in Episode 4, obviously. I have nothing really bad to say about his work, and particularly uh, The New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. But, one, with the prequel trilogy, it really emasculates this intimidating force and presence that he has, like, this really wimpy rise from little kid who can't act to 
adult man who can't act and just is not an intimidating force whatsoever. So when you end up getting his like whole resolve on Mustafar, it's like, who gives a shit? Then in Return of the Jedi, a movie I really do think is like, it's shit on too much. The more I've watched it, the more I realize like his redemption that comes. That's not a redemption. You were basically like part of a freaking force that's destroying people in the galaxy. And all of a sudden like, oh, I killed the emperor. So now I'm good enough to be a force ghost. No, you're not. You don't deserve that. (laughs) <laughs> Three, and more importantly to me, I will say that like the Rogue One scene that everybody loves, where he is dismantling people, has become like the nadir to me of everything I hate about Star Wars fandom, where it's just this fan service bit that looks kind of cool, but is like completely antithetical to that entire movie's like big emotional resolution that happened five minutes maybe earlier. Especially after like all the stuff with the Mandalorian season finale and how people were comparing that directly to like the Luke thing that happened, I just really realized like, man, this is everything I don't like about Star Wars fans and everything. So I gotta say, I think Biff Tannen is more importantly to support him the more realistic villain because everyone talks about Back to the Future 2 and how eerily similar he is to Donald Trump. Biff is realistic buffoonish evil incarnate. I think that makes him a more interesting villain. I think that makes him a, a really fun villain with Thomas F. Wilson's like performance. I am going full on Biff Tannen. That is my rant. He's got at least a point here. Now we are moving to Caitlin. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I mean, the man makes a point. Let's all be real now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nah, fuck. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. No one can ever deny Darth Vader's impact on cinema and even the world as a whole. No one can deny that. But Darth Vader, a little bitch. <laughs> and all of his problems could have been solved if he'd actually talked to people. <laughs> hey, you want to save your girlfriend slash wife? Hey, all you got to do is do this. No, you got to talk. Like, like, like. Let's be fucking real. He is a whiny little spoiled white boy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he is! <laughs> They're like, you're not wrong, but like, yo! <laughs> like, that is my major thing with Darth Vader. Like, yeah, Biff is the same way, but to me, at least his villain story is a complete villain story. And it's very realistic. With Darth, it's like, what the hell happened here? You were good in some of the first movies, but then they forgave you for nothing, especially when looking back on all the shitty things you did in the prequels and elsewhere. I gotta give it to Biff. All right, so it's two to two. Part of the pain, Caitlin Turner. (laughs) I I do want to say I appreciate all of those words, Caitlin. And also, you know, I, I completely agree with you in particular about the prequels thing, where just like he was supposed to be the chosen one. Obi-Wan loved him like a brother. And I can't believe he did all that. So, but now, Casey, you are the one to decide this. It's another hot seat. Where are you going? Here is the note I have written down. I'm going to go with Vader. He's iconic and terrific and even, and I didn't finish the note, and I'm glad I didn't, because, Thomas, you convinced me. Oh, you son of a bitch. I am going to go Biff Tannen over Darth Vader at this moment. Upset. Yeah. Uh, also, real quick, another point against Darth Vader. 
My God, you don't gotta whine about sand that fucking much. Yo, that was Anakin. That wasn't Darth. I'll give you a Darth line from Revenge of Sith that I love. Love can't save you, Padme. Only my new powers can do that. <laughs> the earnestness in which Hayden Christensen says it, and we have not seen any new powers. It just <laughs> broke me in the middle of it when I watched it a couple of years ago. Look, that's that's all and part of it. So, the, the prequels are canon. That counts. And I will, just in order to say I said something about Biff that did not get brought up, I love how easily he just turns into smiling grifter. Like, when you see him at the end, he's actually kind of amicable with the people he was bullying in high school because he's kind of hoping he can con them out of a second sheet of wax. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yep. So, all right. Upset, as we mentioned. Biff Tannen proceeds to the next round. But, regardless, we must move on to our next matchup. And I would argue another very interesting matchup we have. Uh, two psychopaths here. Um, from America, very American psychopaths, we got Amy Dune from Gone Girl versus Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. So, Adam, you are the first one in this round. Who are you going for? Oh, okay. Um, all right. Just, uh, and this sounds so crazy that I'm picking it just for this. Um, Gone Girl, like, genuinely sort of is one of those... Like, I need to take a shower after I watch it every time I see it. And I've only seen it, like, two times. And I'm like, I'm good. Like, uh, I'm good. Fitcher, you did your fucking job. Like, fuck you. It's, it's She's great, though. It's a masterful performance. But on just entertainment level alone, I'm going with Patrick Bateman, uh, Christian Bale. Not only because is he fucking phenomenal in it. Um, it's also, like, sort of, we have Christian Bale because of American Psycho. Um, and he, he's just so good in it. And there's so many quotable lines. Look, when she finds the sketchbook and it's all his drawings in it, that's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in a movie. And just, you know, how he is about the business cards and how he is, you know, constantly, I got to return some videotapes. Although I like to pretend it's Batman doing it. I got to return some videotapes. But it's just, I, I, I got to go Patrick Bateman on this one. Maybe not all day. It's, it's a squeak by win. But just on level of um, ease to watch. And I know that sounds bad. It should be the flip way around on that rate. But I- I'm going to stick with Bateman. Nothing easier to watch than someone murdering Jared Leto. All right. <laughs> yep. All right so uh, that's one for Patrick Bateman. Um, I will say for me, this is maybe... There's a few others I think that are pretty tough. But this might be the toughest one. Especially revisiting both these movies very recently. Because they're both really great characters who are great satiric takes on like what America really does to like the human psyche. And I think they're both phenomenal performances. From Rosamund Pike, obviously, as Amy Dune. And then also um, frickin' Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale. Obviously, I do agree that's what kind of God is Christian Bale. They're so neck and neck for me. So many great, like, bits of satiric performance. But I gotta say, I will slightly go for Amy, if nothing else, because she has the more interesting sort of character thing of you kind of see where why she is this way. You might not agree with her methods, but you kind of see why she has been completely destroyed by, like, these expectations of what it is to be a woman married to the Nick Dunn character. And I think, like, especially the the ending, I think, is so much more... Like, they both... Both these movies have a similar kind of ending philosophy about, like, oh, it's just gonna go on forever. And I think the, the hell that Amy has put Nick in um, is one that feels a bit more mind-boggling to me 
in a way that's fascinating for me to like keep on thinking about slightly more to American Psycho, though it still has a lot of that. So I'm going to go with Amy on that. So one-to-one, Amy to Patrick Bateman. Now, Caitlin, where are you going? This one is one of the ones that's not even a competition for me. It's Amy Dunn. Patrick Bateman is interesting to watch but here's the thing you don't even know if he actually did any of this shit the end of the movie leaves it so ambiguous he could have just been thinking about it in his mind not only that but again to me patrick bateman isn't nearly as interesting as amy dunn simply because it's another privileged white boy going nuts on people who didn't do anything to him to me amy is literally a woman who snapped and not only has she snapped, she's done it so well, she's running circles around everyone. She has that cool girl speech in the movie. And here's the thing, you can disagree with Amy and her methods, whatever. But that cool girl speech, if you are a girl, that was something you 100% agreed with. Not only that, but she was so fascinating to watch. Like, Pat- Patrick goes balls to the walls, but her- she has a methodical way of thinking that to me is just so more much more interesting okay so we got another point for amy dunn by the way i just love that i didn't realize this until i was looking at the bracket that i have a physical copy of here but i accidentally put patrick batman and i did not (laughs) (laughs) i mean it works (laughs) patrick (laughs) (laughs) very true very true Uh, and speaking of uh, the funniest casey over there laughing who are you going with? I am with the full disclosure that this was one of my picks, and American Psycho is a desert island movie for me. I am going with Patrick Bateman. I love this performance. I love how very quickly and often at the same time he goes from psychotic to paranoid to unhinged to cool and level to sad boy just looking for attention, often all at once. I appreciate that this isn't this isn't looking for sympathy for him. It's just trying to give an insight into who he is as a person. And any revelation about him is just, he's just more despicable. It's just in some ways kind of pathetic how despicable he is instead of threatening. All right, then. So it's another two on two final matchup. Shaquille, you are the deciding vote. Who are you going with? Amy Dunn gave me trust issues for like three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Amy Dunn fucked me up. <laughs> I thought you were a- analyzing every conversation you ever had with a woman. Dude, literally, dude, I was like in a relationship with somebody and that shit came out and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but like, listen, all love to Patrick Bateman because like you said, this brought us Christian Bale. Like, this is the thing that put him on the map and his performance is equally as twisted as it is hilarious but just something about amy dunn was so insidious like the fact that we saw her plan they revealed her plan like what half an hour into the movie and you realize oh no there's more and (laughs) what was more it was even worse than we what we could even think of and the fact that she like like caitlin said we don't know if patrick bateman did it or not with gone girl with amy dunn she got away with it she did that shit the full way through. So I got to give her all the respect and just say she's going to the next round. All right, then. Amy proceeds onward. She has slashed Patrick Bateman's neck in the bedroom. Also to point out, she literally has someone she has 
she can torture for the, the rest of her life now. That's true. Or at least until the kid's 18. She'll make him get a lot of Dunkin' Donuts and spill it. I was just not prepared for any of that shit in that movie. <laughs> oh, I was, honestly, I was so happy because I'm like, here's the thing. Villains can be fascinating, but it's very rare that you see a girl, a female villain, go this far. <laughs> and get like, and they don't do like a thing at the end. It's like, oh, she got caught and whatever. Yeah, she no. Revenge. It's like, like, no. Which one? No right. one caught, like, no in certain terms, she got away with the shit. That is, that is very true, but let's move on to our next round here. We have another interesting matchup. We have uh, the villain from Terminator 2, as played by Robert Patrick, the liquid metal T-1000, versus Prince Nawada from Hellboy 2. And I start here as uh, the first person. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, who, who's going up first? It is moi. I will start here. Um, I give credit to the person who picked Prince Nawada. I think it's a very interesting choice. And I do think he is an upgrade from the villains in the first Hellboy, who I vaguely remember being Russian and summoned a Cthulhu. But at least Prince Nawada has a much more interesting sort of backstory and has a lot more sort of like interesting fight choreography than I expected, for sure. I think he's an, uh, he's deserves a bit more credit as a villain, but it's facing off against uh, Robert Patrick as a T-1000, who is probably the the most engaging, like, development for, like, so many reasons, for, like, special effects, for intimidation, for he appeared in Wayne's World. You gotta go with the <laughs> T-1000 here. So, all right, our next person on the docket is Caitlin. Caitlin, who are you going with in this matchup? Listen, Prince, uh... Oh, I'm bad with names. <laughs> Couldn't Thank even remember you, that man's name. <laughs> no, I remembered it, but I have trouble with pronunciation. Like, fully honest there. Mm. Prince Duat is an interesting villain, but he got outshone by his fucking sister. To me, like, if you can't, as a villain, you can't even outshine your sister, you gotta go. So it's easily the T-1000 for me. All right, then. Hmm, I'm very curious here. Casey, who are you going with? This one's going to be settled pretty early because I'm going to go with the T-1000. Uh, I have nothing against... I have him in my notes as Prince Nedula, which I've been informed by my lawyers is inaccurate. Uh, I think that there is a lot going for him. I really like the scene where he talks about where he talks about uh, that this creature is the last of its species, so therefore Hellboy shouldn't kill him. But I think that Robert Patrick as a T-1000 is the single best creative decision in Terminator 2. I love that they said Schwarzenegger is the good guy, and instead of going against someone bigger and bulkier, he's going against some guy who's like 5'10 and speaks with a southern drawl. And you get introduced to him as a cop and he's with a logo that says to protect and serve. You're supposed to think this is the good guy, and you get the bait and switch there when it reveals that he's not. Even before you get to the liquid metal shit is the coolest thing that movie does. Yes, that decision has aged like a fine wine. Now, <laughs> now, um, obviously, we have a decision here, but Shaquille, do you have anything to say about this matchup? Because I figure I think I know where you're going with this based on yeah. previous conversations yeah. we've had. T-1000 is the original A-cab. <laughs> like, In fairness, all of 40s noir is the original A-cab. I mean, you're right, you're right. But, like, <laughs> this... All, like. 
like all love to Nuada. I've wanted to rewatch Hellboy 2 before this, but I just never got the time. But yeah, he like Caitlin said, he got outshone by his sister. And also the T1000 had to make a sports reference here has the most iconic finger wag that isn't from Dikembe Mutombo. So <laughs> like yeah, T1000. Shaquille, I, I want you to know you're gonna get a five dollar Venmo just because you got me to laugh at a sports reference that wasn't the OJ trial. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, also Casey's response to Shaq's initial statement is the most Casey response I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, anyway, we gotta uh, get to Adam. I, I don't think I'm gonna out you that much by saying Prince Duana was one of your choices. Um, but uh, do you yeah, still side with him with the matchup? I mean, no, not because of the matchup, no. But I, I do disagree with the fact that he was outsmarted by his sister, or his sister showed him up. His sister had to fucking kill herself to stop him. That's the only thing that stopped him. I mean, yeah, she yeah. did, but so, she was willing to it. make that that's move. That's the only way to stop him. She had to ki- literally kill herself. So, nah, he, he was fucking straight up smoking everybody and everything else. So y'all are fucking crazy for that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, I mean, look. Other than Arnold in the first Terminator, um, there's no better portrayal of a, of a Terminator killer cyborg robot than Robert Patrick in Terminator 2. He is absolutely uh, bone-chillingly terrifying. Uh, the way he runs, the way he his body movements, his voice. I mean, dude, just, you know, when he goes to see John's foster parents, he's like, oh, he's a good-looking boy. Mind if I keep this picture? And you're like, just the way he's talking to him, he's trying to be so charming and it works. And then he goes back and just fucking smokes him while he's drinking out of the milk carton. He probably deserves it because of that alone. Like, yo, dude, disease. But, um, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's Robert Patrick. It's the, it's the T-1000 for sure on this one. I mean, that's a landslide and I, I think it's deservedly so. That's true. Our first blowout, um, his, uh, you know, Prince Nawaz's knees have been blown out by the T-1000. That's what we're that's what we're seeing here. Now, our next matchup is another interesting one. It is the abusive teacher matchup, basically. <laughs> um, we've got uh, um, Professor Umbridge uh, from the Harry Potter series, specifically Order of the Phoenix and the First Deathly Hollows. Right? She's appearing in the other ones. Yes, if I'm right. I, right. She's in the book. I don't remember if she's in the movie. She briefly yeah, appears in the movie, in the movie at yeah. the, like in the first yeah. part. Yeah. Um, versus Professor Fletcher, as played by J.K. Simmons from Whiplash. So, Caitlin, you are first up. Who are you going with? It's easily Umbridge. Here's the thing: there are so many Umbridges out there. They're in the government. They're in our schools. They're everywhere. That's why she's so utterly terrifying. This bitch is so evil that when she put on Slytherin's necklace, it didn't have any adverse side effects to her. It made her stronger. <laughs> like, like you literally got something that is filled with Voldemort's evil soul. And what is it to the bitch? It makes her stronger. Her, pat- her Patronus was never so bright. And just the fact that she kept ruling the school with an iron fist and she was racist as fuck... And she and she physically abused students too, and she had power in the ministry. All right, so we're, we got a point first off for Umbridge. So next up on the docket is Casey Gerard. Casey, who are you going with? I'm also going with Umbridge. Uh, I distinctly remember a moment when I first saw Whiplash in a class in college, and the professor said he got done watching the movie. And he said, "I think J.K. Simmons' character in this is a total sociopath." And I strongly disagreed with him when I saw it in 2015. And now, six years later, I'm going, oh, wow, sociopath is too nice. I do appreciate the 
the teacher who is so insane that you just are feel like you can only prove your merits by appeasing him. But I do think that to a degree that is a bad thing that people shouldn't idolize. And maybe the movie did a little bit to make people idolize that. Compared to Umbridge, like Caitlin said, everyone knows an Umbridge. You had an Umbridge in school. The teacher you know isn't giving you the information you want, the information you need, or the information you deserve. The one who's trying to cover your delicate little ears from uh, from the real world. And I just find it so relatable, so frustrating. Oh, Umbridge might be straight up my favorite villain in the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah, I'll agree there. And it doesn't help with that, that we just got ri- rid of our uh, recent Umbridge, Betsy DeVos. Oh, God, I forgot about her. <laughs> no, guys, guys, it's nay on the Betsy, her her brothers in Blackwater. We could get hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to pay for a Patreon subscription, so please do that first before you try and murder us. I thought Betsy DeVos was a natural lord. <laughs> if, if you are Betsy, um, thank you, but fuck you. Um, now, Shaquille. Who are you going yes. with? So first off, full disclosure, Professor Fletcher was one of my one of my picks. Um, that being said, I've wanted to murder Professor Umbridge since I was like ten, well, like 10, 11 years old. Like whenever the first time I saw her in a Harry Potter movie, I don't which one was she in first? Was it um uh, Order of the Phoenix? Order of the Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. When I read her in that damn book, because I read the I remember I read the book first. I've never wanted to murder somebody more badly than when she showed up. And in the movie, it was even worse. <laughs> like, like when uh, Kayla said she was physically abusing the students, especially that scene where she, like, carves the shit into Harry. I was like, yo, Voldemort is light work. You need to t- take care of this bitch right now. Yeah. <laughs> And it so, didn't help with her little hums. The fact that, like, she took such glee in the shit. Like, with Professor Fletcher is, I love, like, I love him. He's terrifying. He's vicious as hell. But, like, you could see that it's out of a drive of, like, it's a fucked up sense of good. But it's still, like, it's still good, quote unquote. Just the worst way to do it. With fucking, with Umbridge, there's no good in there. It's just evil fuck this bitch she goes to the next round <laughs> that's uh, all i can say all right all right so yeah we got umbridge right going through but i'm curious to hear especially adam uh because uh you hadn't seen whiplash until right before we recorded this it was the one you had to catch up on that is 100 percent correct all right look i've never been a big harry potter guy i think it's a little bit before my time um i still have seen all the movies i've never read the books i do really like dolores umbridge in the movies um i do agree she is my favorite sort of the villainous characters in the film series alone um especially like the shit where harry's writing starts showing up on his hand she's taking fucking glee in it and just having a fucking blast and she's wearing pink and she's so unassuming looking but you know she's just like the worst person alive but i'm going with jk simmons and whiplash I don't know if it's because it's fresh to me, but again, like I said, I'm not a huge Harry Potter guy. I just thought he was one of the uh, prime examples of one of the most two-faced people I've ever seen uh, on screen. I mean, the fact of the matter is how nice he is to Miles Tyler right in the beginning, and then he just immediately becomes a monster. And he basically stays that whole way for the most part. I mean, you know, when Miles Teller shows up at the end, he's been in the car accident and he's about to play and you can see just a moment of like, holy fuck, what's going on? But then because he plays and fucks up, he, you know, get the fuck out, you're done. 
And then the bar scene where they're talking and they're talking like they're a couple fellas, you know, they're just having a good time, having a drink at a jazz club. And then the way he fuck tries to fuck him again, it's just so despicable and disgusting. And JK Simmons, I mean, he deserved every bit of that Oscar for that movie. Um, I, I just, again, it, it, I don't know if it's because it's the fresh one or not, but I'm going Fletcher. Okay, then. And I'll just briefly state, because obviously I'm just still continuing, but I, w- I think this is another one of the tougher ones for me, because I think both have very similar tendencies and even have, like Adam kind of references the same arc of like appearing very genteel and nice initially, and then being so monstrous as things <laughs> go along, and both also have the idea that they're doing good. Um, both have this perception like, oh no, I am doing the best for either the wizarding like teaching community or with uh, this young boy who I see talent in. I, I feel like this is what it's going through, even though they're monstrous, awful, horrible pieces of shit. But I honestly will agree with Adam. I would go with Fletcher, if nothing else, for the finale of that movie and all of the times you see just J.K. Simmons looking directly at Miles Teller, and especially when he comes up to Miles Teller, she's like, I knew what you fucking did. Don't bullshit me. You, we're going to fucking have this dance out here. And it's one of my favorite climaxes in a movie just ever. I, I think really works. And I think it's motivated by the fact that that dude is monstrous and awful. And I've heard some of those complaints about him being potentially like, oh, somebody who people can gravitate toward is like, but he did it for the sake of breeding great talent. Uh, but I still think that dude is a fucking monster, no matter how awesome Miles Teller is at playing the drums. Oh, he still is. I completely agree. I completely agree. I don't find any redeeming factor in him at all. I think he's just a horrible, despicable piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, like when I say this is like I what I'm voting for Umbridge, it is like this is like a hair away from each other. It's just yeah, it's just really just the glee that she took in the sadistic shit that I was like, you know what, nah, fuck her. Well, <laughs> plus, not only that, but like she was a she was affecting a lot more kids too. Yeah, but yeah, no, that climax in Whiplash is top five, even top three, honestly. Yeah. Also, I will say another big decision was just one of the times I was watching Whiplash with a roommate of mine in college, and he went to a musical conservatory thing to learn, I believe it was guitar, and he was just like, oh yeah, I I know this dude. I've been taught by this dude. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like a window into like, oh boy, glad I did not learn a musical instrument. But now it's time for our next matchup. Two classic villains for sure. We've got Norman Bates from Psycho versus the Wicked Witch of the West from the Wizard of Oz films. Casey, who are you going for? So shout out to Margaret Hamilton, because I do not think there's another person on this list who's having as much fun as she is, and that's a lot of competition. But I love that Norman Bates is not only the villain, he's also in a way the emotional core and the center of the movie once Janet Lee is gone. You do feel bad for him, even after you learn everything about him and what he's doing. The fact, for all, as much shit as the psychiatrist speech gives at the end, the fact that that is there is five minutes of saying, hey, hey, this guy is fucked up. Something bad happened, and he's uh, and he just needs help, and he needs care. And I love how sympathetic this is towards him. And I also love how much Anthony Perkins puts into this, not only in the original movie where he can fluctuate so quickly between being nervous, being flirty, being uncomfortable, being a little juvenile, and then being mad and bitter and angry – but then he's able to carry that into the sequels, and that is the that is a big part of the reason those sequels work as well as they do when they could have just been another forgettable 80s slasher. 
So, all right, so Bates gets a point there. Um, so we'll go ahead and go uh, next with Shaquille. Who are you going for in this round? Mm, this is this is another actually really tough one now that I think about it. Um, I love the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> just flying monkeys. Just, like, literally, the entire argument for Wicked, the, uh, Wicked Witch could just be she has flying monkeys. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, just the depth of Norman Bates' character and just like Casey said, just like you gain kind of like, I don't know if it's sympathy or pity, but just like you just really do feel bad for this guy. Um, I just like the depth of the character more. So I got to go with Norman Bates here. All right. All right. Norman gets another point. So now, Adam, where are you going with on this? All right. So when I was a kid, the Wicked Witch was on Dolly. Some of the scariest shits I've ever seen on screen. Uh, she was terrifying, just everything about her. She still holds up as, you know, one of the most iconic movie villains of all time. I mean, we're talking, you know, my daughter's five. I could show her a picture of the Wicked Witch and she would really, she'd know what it is. She's seen Wizard of Oz. I mean, that's how iconic that performance and role movie still is. But, I mean, you know, fucking Norman Bates, dude. You gotta go Norman Bates on this, I think. I think just on uh, character depth alone, Norman Bates gets it. Everything that the character entails that is still sort of was taboo at the time and is still considered taboo, but it's more relevant now with as far as like transgenderism or cross-dressing or whatever you want to call it. And, and, and just how he mentally just completely just snapped because of how he was treated as a child. And how he takes that out on everybody that is sort of his, you know, in quotes, mother deems unworthy or unclean or not good enough. It's just, it's such a fascinating a role fascinating performance by Perkins and I'm only talking about Perkins here we're not fucking talking Vince Vaughn but yeah I'm definitely going Anthony Perkins uh, Norman Bates all right then so yeah Norman's progressing um, I will go ahead and say for myself I agree with most of what's been said here um, not maybe so I think the, the the trans issue might be the biggest point against it maybe just because it kind of like a stigma kind of a attached to that that i don't know if it's uh, necessarily the 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 best reasoning for him but i wanted to give a shout out to especially with as much as the the first psycho's great movie um i think more credit is deserved for some of the sequels that anthony perkins was actually in particularly psycho 2 is an extremely underrated horror sequel and i think especially i think sells even more of the arc for me of norman where he's just like he's just one like it's several decades later and he's trying to like he's been released from the psychiatric institute and he wants to like live a normal life he just wants to keep going, but murders are happening around him. Everyone clearly blames him. It is a really tragic, investing sort of arc, and Anthony Perkins does such a phenomenal job. And even in, like, three, I think it's a lot of fun. And I haven't seen four, honestly, because I've heard that's not the best one. Um, no. no. Honestly, no. it's my favorite of the sequels, for what it's worth. Ooh, the takes <laughs> so hot. Um, it's written by Joseph Stefano, the guy who wrote the first one. Uh, but I, I will say, not to obviously besmirch Margaret Hamilton's performance, and particularly the Mr. Vaz, really powerful, especially also intimidating in like a, a, a potentially violent way where she implies, she's like, when this last bit sand pebble falls, I'll fucking kill you, basically. She doesn't say that in the movie. I wish she did. That'd be she great. She should. She absolutely should. The Wicked Witch of the West should just be a foul mouth motherfucker. Probably. For I'll sure. you would fuck your little dog, too. <laughs> 
Jesus. Uh, but I will say also, you can tell it like other portrayals of that character in film have not been necessarily the most interesting or best, particularly when you get to say Mila Kunis's attempt um, in like Oz the Great and Powerful has a lot of issues. So I think that character, it's a bit hard to like when you look at their overall cinematic landscape as opposed to Norman has a much better record, even with Vince Vaughn jerking off and just doing Norman cosplay, basically. Um <laughs> And then, uh, Caitlin, even though Norman is clearly going to progress, uh, do you have, uh, well, who would have been your vote? Who would you have voted for? This is so hard. I hate that you did this. I hate <laughs> that you did this. Like, fuck you for doing this. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I will say Margaret Hamilton's performance as the Wizard of Oz, uh, Wicked Witch of the West, is legendary. Like, she is still revered as most one of the best movie villains of all time. If we were just talking, like, legacy alone, I think it would be her. But because we're considering other acts, it's going to be Norman Bates. Oh, it hurts, though. It hurts. I did not expect a blowout. That's very interesting. A complete blowout for Norman. Um, I'm so sorry, Margaret. (laughs) No, it's fine. She she burned her skin, but that's great. It's fine. She did it for nothing, clearly. No legacy for that movie whatsoever. Uh, yeah. And yet somehow, again, burning her skin and looks like she's having the most fun out of everybody. Perhaps. It's, it's very odd. I'll agree with that. But now we are progressing uh, to the final one of the first half of the 32. <laughs> and we're like an hour in already. Ooh, it's going to be a long one, folks. Um, we have Harry Powell in Night of the Hunter versus... Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men, two uh, wanderers uh, who are evil incarnate to some degree here. So we are starting here with Shaquille. Shaquille, who are you going with for this? I got to go with Anton Chigurh on this one. I never had a man with a mushroom cut be the most scary thing in the fucking world. You essentially set it up perfectly. This man is evil incarnate. is just a wave of violence. Like, no matter where he goes, no matter what he does or who he speaks to, there will be dead bodies. The way that Anton does it is and is just so cold and detached about it to where just, like, betting on a man's life based on a fucking coin toss. Like, everything about Anton regardless of whether the movie would have been successful or not i was like i watched it and for the first time the immediate reaction i had was this man is going to be a legend from this um so this to so all respect to night of the hunter which was one of those ones i never had seen until like fairly recently and i think he's fantastic but i I still got to go with anton for this all right first point to anton uh so now next adam who you going with all right, so Night of the Hunter is probably one of my favorite old school movies ever. I, I do think it, it's a great performance, uh, great villain, everything, but I'm also going to Anton. Anton Chigurh is one of three villains, maybe even two villains I've ever seen on screen that I actually was like kind of scared by because I'm like, oh, this fucker could exist, like this crazy bastard. And he, it's just such a wonderful performance, and it's terrifying. And it, it, just his manner of speaking, his body language, his facial, you know, sort of inflections, the, even the choice of weapons that he uses, everything makes him just the ultimate terrifying, like you said and Shaq repeated, evil incarnate sort of villain. There's no rhyme or reason other than just he's sort of a fixed weapon, and he has a fixed point that he's going to achieve even if he doesn't need to. I mean, he told Josh Brolin he was going to kill his girlfriend. Josh Brolin's already dead. What does he go do? He goes and kills her. I mean, it's just he he has to ultimately achieve 
his goal and there's no stopping him. He's like a shark in the water. And, um, he, it's just, it's one of the greatest modern, um, sort of villain portrayals, uh, as far as my opinion, that uh, has happened in the last 20 years. All right, then, so two for Anton. It's very interesting with this matchup, since I'm here uh, with my choice. Um, it, it's interesting because they're both very similar characters, but also I can easily see that Harry Powell inspired a character like Anton Chigurh, though, though Harry Powell has a much more sort of human uh, motivation and stuff like that. He still has this monstrous sort of quality to him, and I, I, it's a very hard matchup for me because I think both performances are really phenomenal from um, uh, Robert Mitchum and then obviously Javier Bardem. I think they're, they're such intimidating, similar villains, but I'm going to slightly side with Harry Powell, if nothing else, for just how like much awful, horrible shit that he's able to pull off and do for especially that time. So much of the intimidation that's like going on and just some of the horrible like things he leaves in his wake particularly with uh the the mother of the two main kid characters and her body floating there like he did this it's like so haunting and awful and villainous and where i'm i'm gonna be uh the, the first one to go with harry so uh now it's uh two to one and uh, our next person caitlin this could be the deciding vote who are you going for this one is actually super hard for me <laughs> One of the reasons being, um, Harry Powell is actually based off a really a real life serial killer named Harry Powers, who was very famous for living in West Virginia, not too far from some of the places I have lived. Oh God! <laughs> so he was like always this horror story we will we were told as kids and shit. So. This is hard for me. <laughs> I absolutely adore Anton and like H- Javier Bardem's uh, performance. Legendary. But to me, ha- Harry Powell and um, Robert Mitchum's performance really set the tone for villains. All right. So it is a neck and neck tie here. Casey, you are the deciding factor. Who are you going with? Harry Powell, easily. Oh, shit! (laughs) Wow. I love Anton Chigurh, but I'm going to give the same reasoning for Harry Powell that I am gonna, that I did for HAL 9000. It is easy to make someone threatening and ominous in Fear of Dread when you can do everything, when you have an established actor and it's written and directed by established writer-directors with full creative control. I, my notes when I was watching Night of the Hunter again the other night were, how is the Hayes Code okay with this? Because I don't know how they were allowed to do half this shit. All right, so an upset. I would definitely argue an upset between those two. Uh, But Harry Powell proceeds to the next round. All right, so we have uh, now progressed to the other side of the bracket. uh, And our first matchup on the right side is the MCU Big Bad that we're building up for through about 11 years of time, it is Thanos from the Marvel Cinematic Universe versus Ernesto De La Cruz uh, from Coco, uh, which shout out to Christian Alvarez, uh, one of our other patrons, a friend of ours, who uh, chose this particular one. Very interesting Disney villain matchup for sure. Let us hear from Adam first. Adam, who are you going with? Well, I mean, all right. Thanos. <laughs> I love Ernesto De La Cruz, man. I, that's one of my favorite uh, 
sort of Pixar villains that's been out. I, there's so many layers to that fucking character. I love all the music. I love the look of the character. I love everything else. But, I mean, it's fucking Thanos. I mean, I, I don't know that I really need to say much more. I, I just think that Thanos was sort of the perfect linchpin villain to sort of seal up the uh, what we've gotten out of the MCU so far. And ultimately, he became... In a way, he had sympathetic moments. There was things about him, like you understood his motives, as crazy as it might be, and everything else. But, uh, yeah, I, I got to go Thanos. All right, then. Thanos gets the first point. And uh, now it is on to me. And get ready, everybody. It's another Thomas Rand about a character who gets a lot of hype that I'm going to say. I don't think Thanos is nearly as interesting a villain as I think a lot of like big Marvel MCU fans say he is. I think uh, Infinity War is one of those movies that has like decreased in quality so much every time I've rewatched it. And I think it's because it tries to do so much to be like, oh, you're supposed to be see the idea of Thanos and like who he is as a character, he's not nearly that interesting. His motivations don't feel nearly as complex as they really want them to be. He's just like this big hulking brute. He's more interesting in Endgame as a big hulking brute. He feels more appropriate at that point. Having this buildup, it's part of what I really don't like about Infinity War. It's just, it's so much about like, oh, you know, if we half the populations, it really is supposed to like decrease everything. And all those people who are like, hmm, maybe Thanos is right. I don't think, like, there's no part of me that says that that's like he has any kind of point whatsoever with any of that. I don't feel that invested in this character. I think Josh Brolin did a really good job doing the mocap and voice work, and I think the uh, CG people did a pretty good job with that. But especially any of the times where they they've tried to make him sort of engaging especially like in his scenes with Gamora it doesn't hit on an emotional point whatsoever for me and I think it's a big disservice honestly to one of my favorite of the MCU movies with like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 which builds that sort of relationship between um, the two Nebula and Gamora so well around the fact that he was this abusive awful piece of shit dad and Honestly, he just seems like he's this big hulking brute. He doesn't have that much investment to me as this abusive dad figure. I don't have any kind of like emotional resonance with like, oh my god, he sacrificed his daughter for his awful beliefs. How like weirdly complex and tragic. No, fuck that dude. He's not that interesting a villain. I am going straight up for Ernesto de la Cruz because he's a more complex villain. And also it's really interesting that this came out not too long around like the John Lasseter stuff coming out. And Ernesto is the embodiment of like these artist types that get so much praise and so much glory, but really you find out so much more like, Oh, he's a monstrous piece of shit. And he's had this like huge clout for so long based on lies about how he actually abuses talent and ends up murdering them and all this other stuff. I am fully Ernesto de la Cruz. Who's next? <laughs> Caitlin like, would be... All I can say is just Jesus. <laughs> Caitlin, you are next. Go ahead. Who are you going with? As a big Marvel fangirl, I can't help but go with Ernesto de la Cruz, because oh, Thanos is a baby bitch. Like, I lost all respect for Thanos when he was getting his ass kicked by Wanda had to turn back time to defeat her because he couldn't do it on his own. And then when he's getting his ass kicked by her again, had to call in aerial reinforcements and kill some of his own men <laughs> to stop from getting ganked by <laughs> one person. Like, nah. Ernesto de la Cruz. All the way. Ooh. I, I smell an upset, maybe. Oh, Who God. <laughs> well, well, we got Casey here, potentially with the deciding vote. Casey, go ahead. Man, that... Only one out of 14 million ways to win line has not aged well the more movies they've done. Uh, I am yeah. going 
I am going Ernesto De La Cruz as well for all the things both of you have said. I am right there with you, Thomas. I do not think he's all that engaging, but I also think he's the only good part of a movie that I find so emotionally hollow. But I will add one more thing of note. As somebody said, there were like 11 years of buildup to this guy showing up. And that he has about as much impact as Ernesto De La Cruz, a character who only shows up in the back half of the movie and is only revealed to be the villain in the third act and is more engaging, despite having none of that build up. Well, an upset indeed has taken place. Um, Shaquille, even though your vote doesn't matter whatsoever, <laughs> go ahead. With I, I have a feeling I know where you are. That's true. It's, it's an American system, unfortunately. But Ka- Shaquille, um, I, I think I know where this would go, honestly. But I'm here. I'm curious to hear. Fuck you, motherfuckers, and Thanos all the way. Oh, my God. Y'all ain't shit. Listen, my vote for Thanos is purely on the basis of bars. This man talks so... Like, every single line of dialogue this man spoke was a fucking bar. Like, (laughs) even that scene when he, he kills Vision, and he's like, listen, I lost some shit. There's no time to mourn. In fact, there's no time at all. It does that shit. I was like, that's the coldest motherfucker on earth. <laughs> Going back to Wanda, when she's like, yo, you took everything from me and had the base to go, I don't even know who the fuck you are. Dude, this man looked at footage of his own death and said, yo, I did that shit. <laughs> this man is the coolest dude on earth, and I'm mad that this is not going to the second round, because listen, I wanted to have a bar off between him and Freddy Krueger, but that's not happening anymore, so fuck <laughs> this shit. <laughs> if it helps, I would have voted for Freddy Krueger over Thanos. No. <laughs> Here's the thing, Shaquille. I wanted a rap battle. I wanted a villain rap battle. <laughs> I-, I will say this, Shaquille. Yeah, Thanos got bars, but he ain't got nothing to back it up. Bro, this man faded the Hulk without even using an infinity. So in the opening five minutes, he duffed the Hulk like he was not like it was a child. No. Yeah, and then what? Guys, that. hold on, hold on, right here. We got so much more to go. We can't have this big a battle now. <laughs> like, no, no, no. It's this now. It's just about this one. We'll do the rest in April. I love Ernesto de la Cruz. I think I was mad as hell when the whole his whole turn happened. But Thanos, Thanos is the like him losing is the one time I'm going to be mad at this tournament. <laughs> no, right ahead, he deserved to lose though. Let's be yeah, right. and Oof. much like in, in in the Avengers movies, perhaps when he loses, things get more interesting. The only time, yeah, listen, the only time they could beat him at full strength is when that motherfucker was eating breakfast. <laughs> You need him at full strength no, in the climax of the movie when you have to fight a All right, guy. I, You're fighting sorry, a kids, Virgil kids, Thanos. kids, stop, stop. Rip I'm going to turn the car around. <laughs> no. They have to jump him. No, 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 Wanda beat him at full strength, and he had to call in a battalion and kill his own right, damn Right, right. We, we established this already. Guys, guys, he's already dead for now a third time. It's fine. <laughs> Look, I've been straight up. Look, I've been straight up muted. After I made my vote, because I'm sitting here just cussing up a storm. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanos killed half the fucking world. Yeah, so a witch. 
God, not, not the world. The universe. Started clapping. The universe. Clapped, universe. Clapped him up. Yeah, she clapped Look, him up. Of course she did. She's guys, a fucking badass too. No, hold on. I'm making a big no, no, decision. No, we have to keep going. We have to keep going. beat the Hulk's bitch ass and made him afraid to come back out. That's he had that man shook. <laughs> the Hulk was scared. Yo. This is going to be four hours now. Okay. <laughs> I just want to keep fighting about this oh, one. No, no. <laughs> Look, we got to keep going. Change it quick, talk before I get started. If you need a content for your April Patreon episode, I think you just found it. <laughs> yes, bonus. There's a whole bonus episode just of Shaquille ranting. <laughs> but okay. Fucking go. All right. So we're moving on to another uh, pretty interesting matchup here with uh, Freddy Krueger. Of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise versus Judge Doom of Roger Rabbit, and I really think this is an, another interesting matchup just because they're two characters that have like sort of these unfathomable powers because of who they are. A tune versus like a guy who became a cartoon. And I think that's honestly why I'm I'm so neck and neck with this. But my reasoning, honestly, for picking a Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit is because he became way scarier when he was a cartoon versus Freddy when he became a cartoon became so much less interesting as a character. So by that definition alone, I'm going with Doom myself. But next, Caitlin, where are you going with? This one is hard to me because they're both interesting villains. But I do agree with you, Freddy became a lot more cartoonish, which is weird considering Judge Doom is a cartoon. <laughs> right. Like, if we were talking just, like, Freddy Krueger from one or maybe even two, I'd go him. But now he's just kind of become a uh, less of a horror villain, more comedic villain. All right. So two for Judge Doom here. Very interesting here. Casey, who are you going with? I am going with Freddy Krueger, and I'm going to go with him because I think that the very basic idea of Freddy Krueger elevates the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Even in the sequels, even when you get to like four through six, movies I do not like, I find them way more watchable than a lot of their contemporaries because this is not just a guy in a mask grabbing something from the garden shed and stabbing a teenager. This is, All of these kills are unique little set pieces. Even when they're cornery, even when they're cartoony, they're way more interesting and that elevates the movies above uh, their above their contemporaries that isn't to say i don't love judge doom judge doom is a russian nesting doll of being a bad guy if you don't like just him being a literal cartoon how about he's robert moses on acid that's fucking dope but for making movies watchable i have to give freddy krueger all right so two to one in judge doom's favor as of yet shaquille who are we going um god like this one is actually legitimately difficult um, because the reveal of Judge Doom being a car- of being a tune, like the eyes alone, I, that scarred me as a child. But I think, in turn, but I think in the grander sense, in like overall cinematic history, um, Freddy Krueger is essentially a perfect horror villain to me. Um, even if the movies aren't like the later movies are not good, I think his whole approach to things, like the fact that. Freddy Krueger attacks you in your dreams. Like when you're asleep, the time you think you should be safe is the time that you're most vulnerable. And that's when he strikes. That to me is infinitely more terrifying than like anything else. Yeah, no, Freddy is just eminently terrifying just on the basis of just the, the base concept of that, of attacking you 
when you're most vulnerable and when you literally cannot do anything to defend yourself. But also, he has a rap video with the fat boys. So, like, <laughs> this is, like, Freddy is my man. So, like, yeah, Freddy it is. But, like, all love to Judge Doom. All right. So, this is very interesting. Two to two. Adam is the deciding factor here. Adam, who are you going with? I mean, look, I'm going Freddy Krueger. There is... I love Judge Doom. I love Roger Rabbit. I love Christopher Lloyd's performance as Judge Doom. I, I agree when he, he's revealed as the sort of tune, it's absolutely terrifying. It fucked me up as a kid too. But just on if I even if you want to base it on lasting power and even if you want to go as far as even pop culture importance, or even want to go as far as the basis of the character. I mean what what Freddy Krueger's basis as a character is is so disturbing and dark and scary. And, you know, like Shaquille said alone, he, he, he attacks these children and these, these kids in their dreams. And it makes it so much more infinitely terrifying that, you know, it's solely uh, they're alone to try to fight him. They get, can't get any, really any help unless you get into like the dream warriors shit, but still it, it's just Freddy Krueger is, I mean, he's become such an icon. He fits up there with the greatest movie monsters of all time and with good reason. I mean, he's just terrifying through and through. Great performances, hammy and silly as it might have gotten. I mean, Robert England was a thousand percent committed all the time. And, you know, yeah, four, five, and six might not be great, but then you got New Nightmare where he brings it back and he makes him just mm-hmm. absolutely ter- terrifying again. Um, I got to go Freddy Krueger all day. All right, Freddy progresses. Uh, the first non-upset, <laughs> I guess, at this point, honestly, that was pretty neck. Yeah, I guess yeah. actually, but before well, we, here's th- but, I still love Freddy. Well, of course, great, of yeah. course, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get some chances to talk about Freddy tomorrow. I just want to say before we move on from here, uh, the underrated thing about Doom in terms of his villainy, dude was trying to make a freeway in L.A. Dude was was almost responsible for L.A. traffic. He was trying to get that to be a thing. That is incredibly monstrous. I uh, would you. No, that is what I mean by he is Robert Moses on acid. That's, that's I, very true. An like, innovator. When I watched it, it was with a friend who did not get into, who was really into public transit. And when that happened, he's like, yo, is this about that? <laughs> for sure, for sure. But let us move on here to another interesting matchup. We have a classic villain versus a more modern villain here. We've got... Dr. Zaius from the Planet of the Apes franchise versus Immortan Joe from Mad Max Fury Road. So uh, the first person up here is Caitlin. Caitlin, who are you going with? This one's really fucking hard. <laughs> but I'm probably going to go Immortan Joe. Simply because to me, um, I was very fascinated and because of his actions there was this whole world building that i did not expect from a mad max movie after a long time and just the performance and all that just top notch all right well so we got a point for morton joe casey you're next up i think you intimated 12 hours ago when we started this, that you might have a specific opinion on this particular match. <laughs> right. I am going to start by saying I do love Morton Joe, and if he, if and when he moves on to the next bracket, I will have nothing but praise for Morton Joe. But I love Dr. Zayas. Two points. One, he is a talking orangutan. Two, why do I have to give another point? He's a talking orangutan. <laughs> and if I had to give a third point beyond that... 
I love that his entire end goal is, no, I know what happened. Human society fucked up, and now they're all either dead or mutes and regressed to Neanderthals. I can't let that happen to my people. And if I have to censor a little bit of information to limit the progression of knowledge in order to make sure they go, that we don't end up the way of man, I will do that. It's like they took – it's like somebody said, hey, I love the crucible. Can I do that with an orangutan? <laughs> what a sentence! What? What? Is, yes, definitely. Agree. Uh, so he looks like Brian sentence. Jones from Rolling Stones. <laughs> very true. Very true. So, all right. Um, and shout out to Maurice Evans who played that role in the first two Planet of the Apes movies. Very, very good performance. But now um, we have one to one, and our next person here is Shaquille. Go ahead and tell us who you're going with. I'm gonna be re- like, I love Doctor Zayas. He's great. You have no idea how many times the Dr. Zayas song for The Simpsons is in my head <laughs> for no random reason. But, oh, it's in there for me right now. <laughs> but here's the thing. Remember how I was, like, super biased for Agent Smith because it's The Matrix is my second favorite movie of all time? My number one is Fury Road. So, mm. like, no matter what is going to happen, no matter who it's going to go up against, I got a ride for my movie. And Immortan Joe is legitimately, like, one of the best villains of all time is the most easily hateable pieces of shit in any movie of all time. More than Joe's my guy. Well, on the bright side, Shaquille, it won't, he won't be going up against Thanos. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I love Thanos, but no, he would have lost to a Morton Joe. Like, again, bias. I gotta, I gotta stick it up when it happens. <laughs> well, well, so we have two to one for a Morton Joe currently. Adam, who are you going with? Look, I love the Planet of the Apes movies so much. I, I All of them. I've seen them all, I don't know how many times. I love Dr. Zayas so much. And yes, that fucking song is also now stuck in my head, thanks to you, Shaquille. You fuck. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm also going to Morton Joe. I, you know, I, I as much as I love Planet of the Apes movies, I love the Mad Max movies even more. And Fury Road is the, you know probably the best action movie to come out in easily 20 years it's 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 perfection and you know it's one of those movies where i think if you took any element out of it it wouldn't be as good and morton joe is included um he's a great villain he's despicable he's terrifying i love the look of him i love the face piece i love the breathing apparatus on his back i love his the, his sons i love everything about him and morton joe to me is just epic movie villain um it's a morton joe all the way all right well uh it's uh, obvious that morton joe is moving on but I would just like to say at least my piece, which is say I agree with a Morton Joe, honestly. I, I think it's mainly because not to open up old wounds, uh, but I think he's sort of the best combination of like a Vader and a Thanos possible in terms of he has a lot of Thanos' same ideas about like sort of hoarding resources and all that without the bullshit explanations. And also the uh, Darth Vader in terms of the look and the breathing apparatus stuff, all this kind of things. I think he embodies all that so perfectly and he's just in this particular movie and is so intimidating. And Hugh Keys, who we recently uh, lost not too long ago, um, is such a phenomenal big screen villain and doing another one in this great franchise after in the very first movie. It's such an incredible job, but not to dissuade Dr. Zayas, who I do think is especially intimidating as, like Casey was talking about, this sort of like a government figure, basically, for the 
ape society that even no matter where society progresses from and what species is progressing, there will always be a Dr. Zayas kind of figure who is trying to install these like weird ideas and just completely screw over anything about empathy or anything for a being they consider lesser. I think it's, it's a great character, but I still got to go with Morton Joe on that faux show. Sorry, Casey. I'll have my revenge one day. <laughs> Maybe soon. Who knows? Uh, we still got a lot of rounds to go. And speaking of rounds, our next one is uh, our comic book character matchup here. We've got Magneto from the X-Men franchise versus Joker here. Um, I believe it was specified as the Dark Knight, though I think it's, it's fair to maybe have other interpretations included in this to some degree. Yeah, because I wrote mine about the Cesar Romero one. I'll have to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. But yeah, so Joker versus Magneto we got here um, for the co- the film version of these comic book characters. Casey, you're starting here. Go ahead with your Cesar Romero notes, I guess. <laughs> like Cesar Romero, I have painted in my mustache today. And I am going to... This is interesting because I think I like talking about Magneto more. I think there's more going on with him as a villain, but I like watching Joker more. So as a result, I am going to go with Joker. Maybe that's because I'm already more invested in a Batman movie than an X-Men movie. But I do find pretty much any of the movies where the Joker's on screen, except for Joker, I find him very engaging. And I just uh, hang on his every word, even if he's doing absolutely jack shits. Gotcha. Big fan of Jared Leto's Joker. Casey, for sure. I forgo- uh, never mind. I forgot that Jared Leto played the Joker. <laughs> he blocked I've it out. I've never watched all the Suicide Squad. I've never seen his scenes in Suicide Squad. But he's squad. seen the Snyder Cut three times already. <laughs> all right. So- I've seen four minutes of the Snyder Cut, and I am fine with that. <laughs> well, all right. Shaquille, who are you going with? Um... Ooh, yeah, this one is like idealistically, like if you were to take every incarnation of like each character, um, this would be a much more difficult contest for me. Uh, all love to Ian McKellen, but like I'm not even exaggerating it when I say this, but I think Joker might be the single biggest, the single biggest and maybe best performance of a villain's character since Darth Vader, since the original Star Wars. So on that basis alone, I'm going Joker. Right, and you're also referring to the Jared Leto portrayal, clearly, when you're saying all of that. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I will smack you for even, like, joking about that. Oh, I better not mention Thanos next. I'm going to get double stuffed. <laughs> so, Shaquille, I shouldn't tell you about my damage tattoo on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, next up, Adam, what are your thoughts? Who are you going with in this matchup? Look, I love Ian McKellen. I love Michael Fassbender, but dude, Jared Leto, it's just, it's a relevation. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Hey, it's my time. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm going Joker for sure. Uh, You know, even if you just want to signal down to Nicholson and Ledger, it's just, it's masterful performances. It's a great character on screen, off screen, however you want to call it, but we are only doing on screen. And uh, I, I tend to agree, Ledger's performance of the Joker is uh, probably the most iconic uh, comic book villain performance uh, maybe ever. Um, and it, it has lasting power. And I, I think it's one that'll. You know, sort of stand the test of time where I don't think 
either McKellen or Fassbender uh, have that sort of power. Um, don't get me wrong, I love both performances, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going Joker. All right, well, Joker's definitely progressing to the next round. Um, obviously, my vote doesn't have much uh, sway in terms of who might win, but I am still going with Joker myself, if nothing else for... Uh, like I said, The Dark Knight was originally chosen. I agree everything about like Heath Ledger's Joker's phenomenal, one of the best you know comic book villains or cinematic villains, regardless. Such a great performance. But I think Joker's one of those people where, aside from a Jared Leto, I want to emphasize I was completely joking. Fuck that performance in the yeah. 10 minutes we've seen of it. Um, but in, even in like versions of the Joker I'm not a huge fan of, like the Walking Phoenix one, there's still something there. There's still some kind of thing I can glom onto, and he's a character that can be interpreted in so many different ways that I think it works for like either Cesar Romero in the Batman 66 movie or Jack Nicholson, Ledger. There's so much you can do with that character. I think it makes him a lasting cinematic villain, for sure, and not just a comic book one. Um, so my vote for Joker. And Caitlin, like you mentioned, does, there's Joker still progressing, but who would you vote for with this matchup? This is a matchup that's really hard for me, because with Magneto, you've got such an amazing villain story. The whole Holocaust thing, and him being like, yeah, I've seen this happen before, I'm going to prevent it. Fuck the regular guys. And it's like, you can't really blame him. But Joker, to me, is probably one of my favorite villains of all time. Not just in movies, but, like, period. Because most of the time, like, he doesn't really have a reason. And that's what makes him so fascinating. But yeah, don't watch the Snyder Cut. It ain't worth it, folks. I actually like the Snyder Cut quite a bit. Like, here's the thing. I liked it to a degree, but they should have cut more. And also, well, like, that, that the Jared Joker, The shit. Joker should have been taken out entirely. Yeah. Yeah, I actually really like the Snyder Cut as well. As you can hear on On the Edge of Relevance, our Patreon show... Uh, last podcast we released, plug, plug. Schlep, schlep, schlep it out. Schlep it out. Yeah, Get it out there. Also, I just want to briefly mention with Magnusons, I didn't say much. Um, All credit to Ian McKellen and Michael Fassbender as well, but oh, yeah, those great. movies oh, fucked them over incredible. so hard. They fucked yeah. them over like as it keeps going with either one of them, whether it is Ian McKellen on like X3 and just like, oh, I'm gripping the shot in my arm, or then Michael Fassbender doing like some of the most embarrassing like constipation face by Dark Phoenix. It just really yeah. lessens everything. About I, I, I felt version. so bad for that man, especially oh. when you know it ain't his fault. He's a all, no. phenomenal actor. Well, yeah, so Joker moves on to the next round. And uh, next uh, matchup we have here, another interesting one. Two more human characters, but two very monstrous for their own reasons. We've got Alonzo Harris from Training Day, as played by Denzel Washington, versus Annie Wilkes, as played by Kathy Bates in Misery. Two Oscar-winning villain portrayals and uh the first person we have up for this is shaquille shaquille who are you going with full bias i picked alonzo harris <laughs> um but i first i will give i will show love to annie the hobbling scene is legitimately one of the most upsetting things i've ever seen in my life uh every single no matter whether it's parodied or whatnot it makes me recoil in fear every single time that being said um denzel as alonzo harris is so just there's so much to his character the fact that you're so charmed by this guy and you're th like it goes back to with whiplash where i'm thinking this guy his business are fucked up but i think he's genuinely good until it all falls apart in the end where he's like no this man is pure unrelenting evil and is just using a again going back to even the t1000 thing 
early example for me of a cab he is a piece of shit through and through and the big final speech the the one that everyone quotes hits as hard to me as it did every single time i watch it I'm always quoting it in my head. The, <laughs> fucking <laughs> the King Kong don't like King Kong ain't got shit on me. That shit's great. And even like the scene beforehand, uh, like I talked about this on the double edge double bill when I was on the scene when he's in the car with Ethan Hawk and goes, listen, you in the office and plays still DRE and revs that car is the coolest shit that's ever been it has ever been done on film. So like Alonzo Harris, number one. All right, so Alonzo Harris gets a vote. Now, Adam, who are you going with in this matchup? This is the hardest one for me that we have in the sort of uh, preliminaries. Uh, I absolutely fucking love both performances. I think Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes is one of the best performances on screen. I, I mean, just the, the way the, the words she uses and the way she talks, you know, dirty birdie. And shit like that. And then she hobbles him and she's in love. Oh, God, I love you. You're like, oh, my God, she's so fucking terrifying. She's phenomenal. But, yo, Alonzo Harris is one of the coolest motherfuckers ever on screen. Yeah, I, I, I was hook, line, and sinker from the second he's on screen. You know, you got a dick, don't you? Put your hands in each side of him. You'll find pockets. If not, you find money. Boom, pay the bill. You're like, yeah, dude, fuck yeah. This guy is not fucking around right off the bat. He means business the whole time. He's got this sort of playful relationship with Ethan Hawke's character the whole time, knowing they're about to fuck him over and set him up for some hardcore shit. But it's just, it's such a fucking great performance. It, you know, it's it's magnetic. I, I'm glued to the screen anytime that movie's on. I've seen that movie potentially more than any other movie that's come out since like the millennium has started. I've watched that movie so many times. I can almost quote the whole movie. Um, and that is largely in part to Denzel and, and Alonzo Harris. I, I absolutely cannot say enough about that performance. It's one of the best performances, um, not just villain, not just anything it, to me. It's Denzel's best performance. And it's one of the best performances in American cinema period. All right, so I think that's a vote for Denzel on training day. I think that's what we got here. Yeah. I thought was, no, uh, dude, Eddie Wilkes all day. <laughs> oh, <please>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, very compelling arguments for Alonzo Harris, and this is also another tough one. I do agree, because especially rewatching watching Day for the first time in forever, like right before we did the Denzel episode uh, on the main feed, I was like, oh, my God, he's so magnetic, and I do agree. It's such an interesting performance, especially that ages very well. I think both these performances really age well in terms of, like, some of the societal things they're talking about, whether it be, like, sort of toxic, unstable fandom versus, like, the ACAP things we've been mentioning as well, the corrupt cop stuff. It's, like, they're, they're such, like, interesting villains that, like, really pair well together as really, like investing portrayals and i think particularly like denzel with stuff like when he tries to man when he manipulates ethan hawk which is like oh man you don't know this is the first time you've been on the streets all that other stuff is like oh man this guy is a pure monster which is why i'm gonna say the slight hair goes to annie wilkes for me because i think there's more of an interesting tragedy to annie wilkes as a character i think particularly my favorite scene in misery is the bit where She's just like off staring to into the middle distance and she looks just completely off and in a completely different plan. She's just talking about like no one's ever really, you know, had 
much interested in me. Also, if there's, it's a naked moment that really shows so much power. I think is the reason and uh, Kathy Bates got that Oscar, and it's so well deserved for me. Very neck and neck, but I am gonna slightly edge to Annie Wilkes myself. But now, Caitlin, who are you going with? This one's extremely hard for me because, honestly, I think these two are some of the best performances in movies of all time. But to me, I gotta go with Annie Wilkes just a little bit more. Simply because there was never a second I wasn't terrified about her. While while Alonzo Harris, I could also feel charmed and stuff, you know? Especially, like, at the beginning, but... Annie Wilkes was like terrifying the whole way through and again like you said both speak on some stuff nowadays but to me like Annie speaks to stuff louder considering the odd fan cultures going on right now all right neck and neck two to two very interesting Casey once again you are the deciding factor this is the first time I felt very bad being the deciding factor Shaquille, I also want to thank you because I had never seen Training Day before and only watched it for this. And holy shit, that's my new favorite Denzel performance. Right. But I am going to go Annie Wilkes, and I'm not certain I can defend it beyond... I, there's just something in my DNA of how I view culture that Annie Wilkes... I got, I got into the book Misery and then the movie Misery at just the right time. I love her as a crazy fan. I love her as a tragic figure. I love her as somebody who both the movie and the book are in a weird way sympathetic for uh, in that she is unwell. She does need help. But until she can get that, she is currently a threat and a danger. And I think that that these are both utterly great. But just on what appeals to me as a human being more, I do have to go with Annie Wilkes. All right, tough decisions from everybody. Tough, <laughs> tough decisions. I'll, I'll, was... say it, I'll say it like this. The reason why Casey picked uh, Eddie Wilkes is because he's white. <laughs> <laughs> that was my second point, but I think my first point holds up a little more. <laughs> Fuck y'all, I'm going to go drink Angry Orchard and talk about the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> the lack of melanin is what happened. <laughs> But hold on, hold on, I have to go outside and I have to put on my sunscreen before I do. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let us discuss NBC comedies. (laughs) I also just love that, by the way, I picked Danny, and it's not because I'm white at all, Shaquille. Thank you for vindicating me. (laughs) So much, obviously. I mean, on the hierarchy, let's call it a grayscale, I think I'm a little more (laughs) towards the white. <laughs> oh, I believe it's called white balance. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> oh, Sometimes right, right. people point their cameras at me in order to figure out what color temperature it is. I see, I will say this is one of the few that I can't be angry at either for going for. Honestly, mm. same. This is like the fourth one, and that's just been me and Shaquille on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, two people can be wrong. You just mm. said you agree with me. <laughs> all right all right let's let us move forward into another um interesting matchup between two star villains as where we have mr wrath of khan himself khan union singh from the star trek films versus kylo ren also from star wars the newer trilogy very curious about how this is gonna go adam man look Fuck. 
<laughs> this is a hard <laughs> one. Because I, <laughs> I really like Adam Driver's performance as Kylo Ren. I like the fucking emo sort of just ball of rage that he is and he's just a force of nature except if you count the third movie but still i i really do really really like kylo ren but i'm going con union sing all day i think con is without a doubt the best villain of sort of the original series and the original uh series of films um ricardo montabat's con is just fucking just amazing he's he to me it's almost the same way that i've said about some of the other villains where he's just so enigmatic and he you can't help but watch him fake chest and all he he's just he's so good and and his dialogue that he has even with himself towards kirk you know from hell's heart i stab at thee you're like fuck yeah dude con ain't fucking around he's a bad motherfucker and he's probably in the history of star trek films period the one that really like oh he could have he might have won like he could have won like con is just that badass he's he's a great villain and he sort of set the bar for all other star trek villains to after him and i'd argue none ever reached that potential so i'm going con union saying all day this is so extremely tough for me because i'm obviously next on this after adam and i think it's mainly because i think both these villains are heavily have like a lot of um uneven qualities to them where i love especially like khan obviously in wrath of khan has like such a phenomenal turn but also as we talked about in the star trek episode with casey he kind of ruins star trek movie villains after that point because everyone's trying to chase that including the other portrayal of khan in those movies abandoned cumberbatch and into darkness i think like khan is such an interesting figure where he's so phenomenal in wrath of khan that you also kind of ruins Pete all the attempts to try and imitate him and Kylo Ren I I love so much I think particularly in like the the first two movies but especially like Last Jedi he does basically like everything that Anakin Skywalker failed to be is in those first two movies in particular but then we I can't not count Rise of Skywalker I love when Kesey suggested spoilers this fucking pick he specifically said Force Awakens and Last Jedi not counting Rise of Skywalker, but unfortunately, man, I well, Rise of Skywalker. So we have to sit him down um, later after five hours of this. But um, with, I, I just think with that ending, I think it does just like suck so much of the potential out of that character. And with as much as I had my complaints about Darth Vader, it it's more disappointing to me with Kylo Ren by the end of Rise of Skywalker with how much they destroy that character. It's and it's so it's really tough. I gotta go. Honestly, with Khan, if nothing else, because even though something like a bandit Cumberbatch like is like so problematic with what they do with that character, he still is having doing an interesting performance. There are moments with Khan that work, not a lot, but I think it just like that isn't quite as disappointing to me as with just what they fucking ended Kylo Ren on. It's such a sad thing, even though I have so much respect and love for that character and Driver's portrayal in the first two movies. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Khan. Now, Caitlin. Where do you go with this? It's easily con for me. Like Kylo Ren was a very cool villain for two movies and a wonderful performance, but third just third just ruined him. But like con to me is like con is again one of the most legendary villains of all times in movies. It's hard to beat that. Okay, so uh, con is moving on. Um, but, uh, now we got, uh, Casey, even though your vote doesn't really matter, go ahead and say your piece. 
Just because I'm in New York doesn't mean my vote doesn't matter. <laughs> New York was always going to vote for Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Obviously, yes. And I will still pick this hill to die on that I think Kylo Ren is better than Khan. And I will pick a little bit of a mini fight with Adam's uh, case that Khan could have won. Khan fucks up at every possible opportunity after he gets the ship. He gets it one surprise hit in at Kirk. Then Kirk knows the Reliant better than he does, and he's able to take control of the Reliant. Then he gets uh, he gets tricked by the most basic fucking coded language Spock could have come up with. Then he has no idea how to fight on a Z-axis. The cool thing about Khan isn't that he gets remotely close to winning, is that whenever he loses, he just doubles down, and he does not give up, and he dies thinking he won. Allow me, allow me to retort real fast. I'll give you that. But Kylo Ren also gets mad and slices up his onboard computer several times. <laughs> no, <laughs> counterpoint, that is actually one of my points for Kylo Ren. Oh. I am the person who will defend the temper tantrums. I kind of love the temper tantrums because I think the temper tantrums are actually really good at walking the fine line of saying this guy is a sad little emo boy who is given every opportunity to do the right thing and constantly doubles down that he has to be bad. He has to be evil. And when he does do those temper tantrums, when he destroys things, when he kills people, he is still able to be a threat. He is still a danger because you never know if those temper tantrums are going to hurt someone you care about, and quite often they do. Right, and like a lot of emo teen boys, um, he gets killed by a Sith grandpa. Put him in a hole. Yes! <laughs> Who among us hasn't been killed by a Sith grandpa and literally thrown down a hole, much like I was? Well, I'm glad you're doing better. I never do. <laughs> Who among us hasn't kissed Daisy Ridley and immediately died? (laughs) (laughs) For sure, for sure. Um, But Shaquille, your vote doesn't technically sway anything, but who would you have gotten with him in this matchup? Listen, I've been fucking Star Wars since the day I die, but that's why I'm voting Khan. Because fucking they they shat the bed on Kylo so hard in that third movie that like... It's, like, almost an unforgivable sin to me. <laughs> so, like, Khan, at the very least, with the with Wrath of Khan, he's fucking dope as hell through the entirety of it. He doesn't have an entire movie where he shot... Actually, never mind. I was going to say, he doesn't have a movie where he shot the bat. I forgot about Into Darkness. <laughs> but I'm not going to think about Into Darkness. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Wrath of Khan is so fucking good. And that's even as a non-fan of Star Trek that, like... Yeah, no, it's him. It's It was always going to be him between these two. All right. Well, it looks like the person progressing to the next round is Khan! <laughs> and now we move forward. So next up in our matchup is Sleeping Beauty's Maleficent versus Blade Runner's Roy Batty. Um, and I am up first, full disclosure, I did pick Maleficent for Sleeping Beauty because I figured there's not a lot of dis we didn't have a lot of Walt Disney animation villains, and I wanted to at least put another one on there. And I think Maleficent is uh, one of my favorites because she has this huge vindictive plan that's all based around not being invited to a party. She goes full scale in trying to dismantle an entire monarchy and destroy a young girl's life in particular based on that motherfucking couple didn't invite me to their baby shower thing. So I'm going to go full scale with all this right up until she is willing to be like, hey, prince dude, you know what I'm going to do to you? I'm going to let you see your queen, but you're going to stay down here in this dungeon for decades. And I'm going to let you go up and save her 
when you're an old ass man about to die. That is cold-hearted shit. Not to dissuade about Roy Batty, who I think is the big highlight of the original Blade Runner, and Rudyard Hauer is phenomenal in that movie, and the Tears and Rain speech, obviously, is like so beautiful and investing, but I gotta go with my girl Maleficent. Even with some of the Angelina Jolie stuff, even then, I would still say Angelina Jolie does a phenomenal job in that role and works around a lot of awkward like writing stuff I have so many issues with that movie but I would still say Maleficent is a true icon that makes me vote for her in the matchup now Caitlin who you going with uh for me this one is very easy it's Maleficent all the way this is what put she is what put Disney villains on the map. Sure, you had the evil queen before her, but Maleficent is the one that it makes a mark, and she is still revered today as one of the queens of Disney villains and a queen of villains, period. She is a petty-ass bitch, and I love her for it. <laughs> God bless. And she does it with style. Like, to me, honestly, she's just one of those great villains you can't get enough of. So, uh, two for Maleficent here at this round. Casey, who are you voting for in this? I'm also going with Maleficent. I have not seen this movie since probably the Clinton administration. It has been so long. And I put it on, and one, I was amazed at the animation. Two, I was amazed at how engaging I find Maleficent to be. I'm not crazy about a lot of Disney villains, but I found her to be just the right level of theatrical, just the right level of atmospheric, just the right level of menace, and I just was fascinated at everything she did, and I 100% forgot she could turn into a dragon. That is so cool. And Roy Batty's okay, too. Ooh, ooh! I can I can hear Adam bubbling up, but he's not going to speak yet because it's uh, Shaquille's turn first. Even though once again, Bleveson's progressing. But who would you have gone for? The Tears and Rain speech might be to me the single greatest monologue ever delivered on film. So like, it's the most. It's legitimately one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. So I gotta go with Roy Batty. All right. Well, um, speaking of tears in rain, Adam. You have no say. But... <laughs> Other than Shaquille, you sell out no class. <laughs> why, is it, why is it just me and Adam versus I have no idea. I I'm literally said it. I, no, hold on. Hey, hey, my turn. My fucking <laughs> I'm literally sitting here with this mic fucking muted and I'm fuming. I'm, I'm, I'm literally like flames, flames on the side of my face. Uh, Roy Batty to me, you motherfuckers. Roy Batty to me <laughs> is—he's my favorite all-time movie villain. It is my favorite performance ever from a movie villain in one of my favorite movies of all time. I think there's something so inherently human about this horribly fucking violent and engineered sort of android that it just makes him beautiful and he looks like an angel and ultimately his whole thing is he just wants to live that's his whole arc as a villain and it's one of the most identifiable things Maleficent yeah how fun she didn't get invited to a fucking party she's some wizard bitch okay cool great for her yeah it turns into a dragon that's awesome Roy Batty he yo he single-handedly chases down fucking Han Solo, even though this is Deckard, wearing fucking, like, boxer briefs. Like, he, and he whoops his ass. Like, look. 
this system is flawed. <laughs> this is the first election Adam's ever gotten angry about. <laughs> oh, yeah, ever, ever. I, wait, by the way, Casey, look, I would never say this being a white guy, but you're so fucking white. Like, you brought up the Clinton administration for the first time in the civil episode. You fucking, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you motherfuckers. I like uh, giving uh, people timetables of when I saw things. Yeah, that, yeah that's well, for me, I, I want to say it was when Reagan did, uh, you know, no, it's just, look, oh, I will accept the results, but I swear to God is under such duress and protest. <laughs> Are you where, refusing to concede? No, I can't, unfortunately, because, you know, I, I'm going to try to be democratic, whatever the fuck that means. But you motherfuckers, <laughs> you slimy sons of bitches, like, it, it just... Fuck you, right back. Uh, ironically, this is what is going to cause Adam to have his like own maleficent revenge against us. He's plotting <laughs> now. I had Thanos. Adam had Roy Batty. Yeah, and then he could be a we cool villain. We need the rest of you to get mad when we eliminate somebody. I, I, I wouldn't low key upset about Kylo Ren, but I'm not going to make a thing about it. Oh, hey, whoa, hold on there, Chief. I'm making a thing about it because you guys are wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and I think y'all are wrong about Khan. Guys, guys, we have to move on here. We're at the final round, <laughs> the final matchup of the first round. <laughs> we got here Hans Gruber from Die Hard versus Red from Us. Interesting. Um, I want to mention also just really quick before we do this. Um, Red is one of the few uh, repeats that we had, along with Andy Wilkes and Freddy Krueger. So this is interesting um, from two, various people's different lists. We had those are the only three that repeated. So I'm very curious to hear first, Caitlin, who are you doing for this one? All right. I, I was actually one of the people to put Red in because um, I, I also specified mine with Adelaide uh, Wilson because this movie is amazing. And it, like, here's the thing. Hans Gruber, you're fun. But to me, Red and Adelaide are the better villains, like, so much. You get such a sympathy for Red, especially when you see what she went through and what the tethers went through and everything going on. It's like, yeah, I really can't blame you for killing them. The performance of Lupita Nyong'o, it needs to go down in the history books. It's that good. All right, then. Well, our first vote is for Red. And now uh, next up on the block, Casey, who are you going for? I am also going with Red. Uh, no disrespect to Hans Gruber and no disrespect for, to Alan Rickman for elevating Hans Gruber into a memorable character who did not necessarily need to be one. But the moment that Lupita Nyong'o starts talking and you hear her say once upon a time in her raspy voice, I get chills. I get chills anytime you see her body language. Just watch her move from point A to point B. It's the polar opposite in the best possible way of Edgar Bug, where I'm just constantly wa- – I'm fascinated watching you move around a scene, and it just chills me to the core. All right, then. Two for red. Shaquille, who are you going down for? This is good. This is, we're already deciding this early. I'm voting for red. Here's, here's yes. the thing. I love Hans. Like, Hans Gruber is essentially, like, the preeminent, like, he's the standard for, like, a good action villain. He's easily, like, he's funny, but he's also easily hateable. But the thing is, is with Red, 
there is so much nuance and so much depth to her character and so much genuine tragedy. Like, yeah, the speech that she has at the beginning when she's, like, talking about the shit that she had to, like, go through just to live, like, with the tethers. And I know this, is like, is not really supposed to take that much, like, influence into it, but just, like, when I saw the behind the scenes of us and I saw Lupita, like, just still be in character and, like, talking to people even though the thing wasn't filming, that shit, just, like, the shit she put into that role... I'm, I was legitimately furious that she didn't get nominated, if not win an Oscar for that shit. This, she did the damn thing. All right, then. Well, Red has already decided and we'll be moving on. But Adam, who would you have voted for? I would have voted for Hans Gruber. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Lu- Lupita Nyong'o is fucking phenomenal in the movie. She's she's literally, I, I agree. I cannot believe she didn't get an Academy Award nomination. It, it's such a disturbing and dark and yet sympathetic performance um but hans gruber there was attempts before him and after him to create sort of this waspy villain you know being in action movies or whatever and no one ever did it as good as him i'd argue i i think he set sort of the the ground rules and the basis for a villain that has been sort of emulated and copied to this day and never done that great um hans gruber to me is the definition of a action movie villain. I, and I, for that reason alone, I don't know if you want to call it my age or whatever, but obviously I saw Die Hard when I was very, very young. Uh, probably not for the best, but I still saw it when I was very, very young, and it's always stuck with me. I, I just absolutely love Hans Gruber, and I love his charm. I love the way he talks. I love when he puts on his fake American accent, and it's so bad, and yet there's something about it that's so endearing. Uh, it's just... Yeah, and th- this is not a slight on uh, Lupita Nyong'o and us either, because I, I think she's really, really fantastic. This is definitely a, a sort of neck and neck for me, but it just uh, on sort of personal bias and memory factor alone, I, I got to go Hans Gruber. Well, yeah, I mean, for, for me, with my last thing, even though once again, Red's moving on, um, I will say with Hans Gruber, what I also love about him is the fact that him and the entire premise of Die Hard, I think, is so ingenious with the villains, is that they come up just like, oh, we're terrorists, we're awful people, and then you find out, oh, they're just a bunch of assholes that want money, <laughs> and they're really good at convincing people that they're, like, brilliant evil terrorists. I think that's such an ingenious thing I think makes that work, and I think to, especially counter with what Keith's talking about, like, oh, Alan Rickman is what made him so interesting, no discredit to Alan Rickman, this is the movie that gave us Alan Rickman, and he's so phenomenal in that part but i think also just that factor is like hans gruber is constantly acting he is constantly putting on a performance that's so interesting and makes it there's a bit of a connection there between him and red i think in that regard where he's just like putting on a bit more airs about who he is to other people um but at the same time i honestly will say i would have gone with red as well i think red is the more complex villain i think red has so much fascinating factors to her especially just the performance and not to mention it, it's so weird where the fact that it's the two characters and technically the initial lupita nyango we are following i think is like so, so so interesting where it's like the fact that her turn makes her i think more technically a villain even though red does all these monstrous things but also at the same time they're both villainous but they're both like really complex characters as well it's there's there's so much depth there that i would definitely i would have gone with red myself but no discredit to hans gruber i will say uh casey brought up the like first moment red speaks but i also want to go against that face-off between adelaide and red and them 
doing that dance. Dude, that shit was so that good. That right yeah, there true. is legendary. There, there will be more opportunity to talk about Red as we get into the second round, but everybody, we're done with the first round. <laughs> who made? Who <Yay>! <laughs> we're halfway there. <laughs> Living on a prayer. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's the start of round two. Very interesting so far. Our first matchup here in round dose is Mother Gothel versus Agent Smith. Casey, you are first up for this particular round. Who are you picking? I think I'm going Mother Gothel because I find villains who can't just shoot things slightly more interesting than villains who can just shoot things. Now, full disclosure, I've actually never seen the Matrix sequels, nor do I feel like I'm missing anything. But I find Tangled to be an underrated movie. I find Mother uh, Gothel to be a really interesting villain, and I love the performance there, so I'm going to go with her. All right, then one point for Gothel. Shaquille, you are next. Who are you going with? To to counter uh, Casey's argument, he said, oh, Agent Smith can just shoot things. No, he can't just shoot things. He can multiply. He can use kung fu. He can jump on cars and smash them to bits. Agent Smith all the way. <laughs> that's speak for Casey, but I don't think you were saying he can only shoot things, that's all he can do, because that movie would not be nearly as interesting. <laughs> I think you're just saying but that that's all he needs making, to I'm do, right? My argument that, like, my argument this round is basis of, he does cool shit. <laughs> Oddly enough, you're almost making my thing, uh, you're almost proving my point, it's like, he has a lot more easy ways to be a threatening villain, and as a result, it's more interesting to me that with limitations, they make Mother Gotham more interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. Ooh, ooh. Stop it, stop All right. It. No, All right, boys, boys. We've had too many fights. Thank you for making my point for me, Shaquille. I'm pretty drunk. <laughs> All right. Well, let us move on here to now uh, Adam. Who are you going with yeah. in this matchup? I'm going to Agent Smith. A, to throw a bone to my fucking partner there. Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but B, no, nah, man, Hugo Weaving's performance in the first Matrix is nothing shy of masterful. And then in the sequels, when he really does go off the fucking rails and hams it up, it's so entertaining and so fun and so just interesting to watch. Don't be wrong. I love Tangled. Tangled, to me, is one of the best Disney offerings that has come out in a long time, um, especially as far as their CG offerings. I think it's fucking it's fantastic fantastic but i gotta go agent smith all day agent smith to me when i when the matrix came out was the a perfect movie when i first saw it i saw it at the show and uh hugo weaving a that's where i'm like oh who the fuck is this guy and b he was so good and so yeah i'm going agent smith on this one well very interesting very interesting Another point for Smith. Um, for me, I am next up here, and I think this is a pretty uh, tough matchup for me. I think both of them are really great villains. I agree that I think Gothel is like so phenomenal and also has like all this gaslighting stuff we mentioned previously. And a lot of credit to, I forgot the actress's name, but she played like uh, Dr. Octopus's wife Donna in Murphy. Spider-Man 2. Do- thank you, Donna Murphy. Um, it does such a great vocal performance that's really intimidating and upsetting. And I think with Smith... I'm going to have the slight edge to Smith, if nothing else, for in terms of gaslighting, he also tries to do that in, when he's talking about the virus speech, but he's basically trying to gaslight, like, humanity as an entire thing. <laughs> he's got bigger goals in terms of who he's trying to gaslight. Plus, also, I'll say, Mother Gothel, by the end of it, um, she gets killed by a chameleon. 
that, that, that chameleon's a murderer. <laughs> kind of true, but also that means that chameleon's a horrible murderer. Uh, maybe that that chameleon should have been on the list as well. Before <laughs> I think about it, uh, but no, I will. I will end up going with Smith, which means he will proceed onward. But Caitlin, go ahead and say who you would have gotten. It would have been easily Mother Gothel for me. Okay, no doubt. And see, she's not bitter, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, shut up. Oh, that's good for her. I'm, 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 I'm fucking bitter as fuck, still. I'm bitter as fuck. Yo, that's good for you that you can, you have maturity. Fuck off. Fuck your maturity. <laughs> Look, this is all I got, you motherfuckers. You guys are really Listen, me and Adam, we're only here to be petty. Fuck maturity. I mean, that's true. Right, I'm not- about to get so petty too. It's literally gonna turn to well that's your opinion then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh. Well, all right, another interesting matchup coming up here. We've got Amy Dunn from Gone Girl versus Biff Tannen himself, the surprise winner of the Darth Vader round. Uh but the question is Shaquille, will he have any more luck with you? Oh hell no. It's still Amy Dunn. <laughs> Phys- like again, Amy Dunn the best villains give me a physical, emotional response that shakes me for weeks. And Amy Dunn did that. Biff did not. <laughs> Amy Dunn wins. All right, then. So Amy is uh, got a point here. Adam, who are you going with? Uh, well, every fiber of my being wants to say Amy Dunn. But... I'm such a Back to the Future kid, and plus, the fact that he took out Darth fucking Vader, I mean, it gives him a little bit of cred to go through. I, I'm, I'm going Biff Tannen. Wait, is Smarch Madness Bracket canon? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, look, I love Biff Tannen. I think Biff Tannen is just such a good representation of, like, the high school bully that you hate, that he's such a fucking puss. And he's such a dummy, and he, you know, he he only bullies people to feel better about himself, and it's such a good representation of that across all three movies. That's why I'm picking Biff Tannen. He is somebody that I've met, somebody that I know. Everything I'm going Biff Tannen. All right, then one to one then for Biff and Amy. Um, I will say, obviously, I defended Biff Tannen quite heartily. I think it's more I just cried Darth Vader and <laughs> gave a decent defense for Biff Tannen. But in this particular matchup, I gotta say it's a no contest thing for Amy Dunn. I think like I still stand by a lot of things I said about Biff Tannen, particularly him being such a like buffoonish villain that still manages to succeed especially in the alternative 1985 but i kind of look at it as like well ultimately by the end of their arcs as characters biff tannen is in a suburban household where he's being sort of like manipulated by these people who he oppressed this whole time permanently and amy is uh, also in suburbia but she won by doing that and she's manipulating nick this whole time nick is her biff Weirdly, I think that's kind of what makes it work, really. <laughs> like, Nick and Biff are not too dissimilar characters, except, you know, um, Ben Affleck's a bit hotter. Clearly, no offense to Thomas Wilson, our true snack. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Amy myself on that. Um, now, Caitlin, who are you going with? Again, this one's no competition for me. Amy Dunn. So easily Amy Dunn. Like, Biff's cool and all, but... Amy takes what Biff does and does it so much better. That's even more competently. Yeah. Much, much more competently. And with more style, and she looks better doing it. <laughs> I, I, I want to see, like, the, the Back to the Future spinoff where it's Biff trying and fucking up an Amy Dunn thing. <laughs> he just completely <laughs> fails to, like, fake his death and all this shit. Hey, McFly! <laughs> 
would be pretty dope. Uh, but Casey, so while you're even though Amy's clearly progressing onward, who would you vote for? I am also voting for Amy because I think she has the best chance of unseating Agent Smith. <laughs> we'll get to that. Hold on for the next round. I we'll actually also do think that Amy is better than Biff, but officially, if people ask, that's what I'm doing it for. Oof, looks like Biff's got to make like a tree and get out of here. It is Amy progressing forward to the next round. Now, another interesting matchup here, we've got the T-1000 versus Professor Umbridge. Once again, if we were just deciding alone on the murder thing, it's obviously the T-1000, probably, but we're going by characters and stuff, so Adam, which is the better character who would progress to you? Oh, man. See, as I already stated, I'm not a big Harry Potter guy, but I think the T-1000 is kind of one note in comparison to Dolores Umbridge, and with a very heavy heart, I say Dolores Umbridge. <laughs> hey, man, it's the way the best. No. It's, it's the way the matchups lie, you know. It, 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 T-1000 would have won anywhere else, but he is a one-note character. Dolores Umbridge has a lot of fucking gravitas and a lot of structure to her character. With a T-1000, she's a killing robot, and she has a lot more to offer. So, again, with a very heavy heart, very resentful heart, because Roy Batty didn't win, I'm going with Dolores Umbridge. Wow. This this is a this is an upset for me personally. I'm so shocked by that. Um but I mean I for, I'm up next here and I'll say I think uh, both are very intimidating characters, both are very sort of interesting different versions of evil. I do agree. Um but I think what makes me vote for the T1000 isn't just because he's so dope necessarily uh, and OP as a power set, but also because of like we mentioned that he represents sort of this weird like the, the cop thing represents so much, but also just the danger of technology progressing as much as it does and how like fearsome the idea of just like your next door neighbor whoever could actually be this murderous character who can imitate your voice and sound and look and everything. I got to go with the T1000. Also nothing else. Um I'll give credit to Umbridge probably resembles uh her creator more than most of the other characters. Yeah. I mean, ain't wrong. Can I say well, I am so excited to reread Harry Potter after J.K. Rowling dies? <laughs> <laughs> a few decades. Sure, we will. But uh, now, Caitlin, who are you going for in this matchup? It's Umbridge. She scares the shit out of me because I have met Umbridges in real life. Yeah, she she passes to me. Like, she going on. No disrespect right. to the T-1000. Okay, so now, Casey, who are you voting for? This is really tough, and I think it gets down to just my personal aesthetic and personal, like, what appeals to me, but I'm going Umbridge. Oh, Umbridge progresses forward on the matchups, but Shaquille, uh, what, what about your defense? Who would you vote for? Everything else. Uh, uh, this, this is also, like you said, it's a very very difficult choice here because it's like hey it's evil white women versus a cop <laughs> who who do i hate more in this scenario <laughs> and i think i gotta go with the evil white woman in this case <laughs> it's umbridge shaquille can i pitch you a kaiju movie evil white woman versus yeah. cop <laughs> like, <laughs> whoever wins will kill me whoever wins will kill me whoever wins i lose <laughs> very true unfortunately but we are on to our next matchup here, and we have 
Norman Bates versus Harry Powell, two of the more similar ones, I would say, in round two as of yet, <laughs> to say the least, a bit more evenly matched on a more fight-to-fight scenario. Um, and I am up here, and I will say it's pretty tough, um, considering the two characters here, but um, I gotta say, you know, between the two of them, I think Harry Powell has a bit lesser of an ending, especially in the original in Night of the Hunter. Um, as a character, um, because he turns a bit more goofy. Not that I dislike the movie at all at that point, but he definitely turns a bit more goofy. And I think Norman Bates, once again, the underrated arc from Psycho to Psycho 2, I think works so phenomenally well. And also just um, Anthony Perkins being the the sweet boy next door and just uh, ruin it for those dudes, uh, justly, honestly. Uh, so I'll go with Norman on this. Now, Caitlin, who are you voting for? This one is extremely hard because... Both are villain legends, but to me, I think um, Harry Powell's legacy outshines Norman Bates by just a smidgen, so I'm going to go Harry Powell. All right, so Harry Powell, one-to-one with Norman Bates. Now we go to Casey. This might actually be the toughest one for me. What, two black and white movies from, like, the 50s and 60s? I'm shocked that this is so tough for you. (laughs) Dude, I... Because I watched Night of the Hunter in college, I thought it was pretty cool with a so-so ending, and then I rewatched it the other night, I was like, oh my god, this movie's fucking amazing, and I think it's breaking my heart that I have to go Norman Bates on this one, because my god, Harry Powell, again, I guess similar to Psycho, how the fuck was the Hayes Code okay with this? Alright, and to be fair, the Hayes Code wasn't too uh, happy about Norman Bates either, but... We are progressing forward to Shaquille. Who you picking? I'm going Norman Bates. Uh, this time I gotta say, that final shot is legitimately still one of the scariest things ever put on film. How it just turns into like the scariest looking smile I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, no, it's it's still Norman. Alright, Norman will progress, but Adam, what's your say on who you would have voted for? Oh man, if I'm going performance based. I'm going Harry Powell. If I'm going Lasting Power, I'm going Perkins, Bates. Um, so that it doesn't matter, fuck it. I'm going Harry Powell. All right. So Harry doesn't have a lone vote in this. All right. But he's still lost, unfortunately. That progresses us to the second half of the round where we have Ernesto De La Cruz versus Freddy Krueger. Another <laughs> interesting... <laughs> Come on. I love that we worked our way into an undead round. That's true. Very true. Yes. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, go first with Caitlin. Uh, you were first in this round. Who who would you go for? Oh, God. This is... This might be the strangest matchup we've had yet. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to go Freddy. I love Ernesto, but Freddy's legacy, man. Like... Ernesto's still too young of a movie villain to have quite the legacy Freddy Krueger has. And there's... That's just gonna be that. (laughs) Alright then. So, a point for Freddy. Casey, where are you going? I think I'm also going Freddy because if nothing else, Coco almost doesn't need a villain. I think Ernesto's great, but he almost doesn't need to be there, and I think everything going on without him is slightly more interesting. And Freddy, again, is just able to elevate movies I otherwise would not like 
to a point where if I can be a little bit of a hot take asshole right now, uh, I would probably pick the lesser nightmare movies over even like Friday the 13th part three and four. So I'm going Freddy. All right, then. So two for Freddy. This could be the deciding factor. And by could, I mean, probably Shaquille. <laughs> Are you voting for anyway? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm voting. I'm voting for Freddy for two reasons is one. Yeah. The legacy just completely like Ernesto's great, but I think, yeah, his legacy overshadows, and he, like essentially all of like Ernesto's best moments or qualities as a villain, and the second one is out of spite because fuck y'all motherfuckers. Thanos, <laughs> it should be Thanos <laughs> versus Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we got Freddy uh, definitely progressing, but Adam, um, I'm I'm so curious, where would you have gone with this? Well, it's got to be Freddy Krueger, and I've got to echo everything Shaq just said. Fuck y'all, motherfuckers. It should be Thanos versus Freddy. He's 100% right. No, I, yeah, it's got to be Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger, um, you know, the thing is, I, I, I disagree with what Casey said over uh, Friday 13th Part 4. I think Friday 13th Part 4 is still one of the best ones. But I will take the lesser of the Freddy movies over most of the less of the Jason movies any day. I think they're infinitely more entertaining. I think Robert England just is just relishing being that character. It's so sort of just fun to watch and it's a glorious performance. So yeah, it's going to be Freddy Krueger, uh, you know, and, uh, fuck Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Academy Award nominated Jackie Earl Haley can go fuck himself. Go fuck yourself. Now here's a word from Rebots. <laughs> <laughs> I miss my calling as the Rebox guy. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, I, I think this is unfortunately going to be a blowout for me, even though, once again, Freddy's definitely progressing. I still would have voted for Freddy. I think of nothing else for the Nestor Devil Cruz. I agree with Casey, I think, is the big factor, is that Coco doesn't technically need a villain. I still think he's a great villain presence, and I like a lot of what he represents. But honestly, in terms of even Pixar villains, I think the only time this would have been a hard match with, say, a Pixar villain is if we had, say, Syndrome from the Incredibles, yeah. who I think has a lot of interesting qualities that maybe would have made this a lot tougher. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's definitely going to be Freddy. And just, you know what? We haven't shouted him out that much. Robert England's dope. One of the great horror yeah, icons. So like, phenomenal. So Robert England. Here's the thing. Robert England can be in anything, and I'll pretty much watch it. God oh, damn well, that's... I've, said, I've said that every fucking time we've talked about this movie. Why is nobody <laughs> listening to me? <laughs> oh, we listen to you, but we also know you can be really wrong. We can't hear you over the white hot rage. I agreed with you, Caitlin. I agreed with you on the last choice. I agree with you, Caitlin, like a brother. I loved you. Let's get to this next match. Yes, yes let's get to this next match, definitely. Because uh, we have uh, Joker versus Joe, comma, Morton. Um, so, let's uh, see where this goes here. Casey. Who are you going with? I really love that Morton Joe is probably is older than Mad Max, who is old enough to remember a time before the war. So this guy is remembers old society. And when it came time to start society again, he decided, fuck it, I'm going to start a cult. I love that energy. I love that he just has a cult of people who worship him and all of his henchmen are his own little Don Jr. and Eric's. I think that... <laughs> And so, yeah, I'm going to go with Morton Joe on this one. I don't love... I, 
at the risk of being controversial, I do not love Fury Road, but I love a Morton Joe. Very interesting. I could hear now. Shaquille get angry. <laughs> well, let's go next to Shaquille. Who are you voting oh. for? Oh no. This is... God, this is the toughest decision <laughs> I've ever had to make in my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> Joe V. Joe, Joe V. Joe and Todd of Justice. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, fuck. Uh, remember? Hmm. Fuck. I can't. Like, I can't even do the pass the bug because we're not. We're not doing that. Um, <laughs> it's gonna murder me to do it, but I'm gonna say Joker. Here's the thing. I only pick Joker because I feel like he's going to be the one to win this entire tournament. It hurts me to go against my favorite movie, but like I said, the Joker might be like the biggest, if not the most iconic film performance of a villain maybe ever. He, there, there's not much else I could put after that, but just fuck. <laughs> like, Chelsea, this is like a mercy. This is like the end of the old yellow right now. <laughs> this is, yeah, this, is, this is your selfie's choice. This is my yeah, ultimate is your selfie's self- choice. Yeah. Fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you have so much passion for the Jared Leto version of Joker specifically. I will and murder we are... you in your sleep. <laughs> You've threatened me with that before. Nothing's happened. It's been a decade. <laughs> anyway, um, let's go ahead and go to Adam. Who are you voting for in this? Uh, fuck, this is also a very difficult one for me. Uh, but I'm going to give it to a Morton Joe, and there's a reason. Um, the thing is, Joker, we've seen how many different performances of him in screen, and they're all different facets of the same character. None are played the same way. So it's always a new interpretation of the character, where Martin Joe is a one-encompassing character. It is that character. It'll only always be that character. There's not going to be different versions of it. There's not going to be anything that, and it's still that iconic. So I'm going in Martin Joe. All right. Very interesting. Very interesting. This is tough for me as well. I do love uh, both these characters, and I do agree that Joe works so well, especially in just his movie. He makes like such an iconic dis- sort of presentation, and also it's just like he's occasionally fond in his own way too, particularly stuff like the mediocre and stuff like that. There's a lot that I really love about Joe, but I'm gonna go with Joker because I think a lot of the things Adam says is a negative for Joker is more of why I think he's a positive because there are so many different interpretations and there still is like familiar things but at the same time so many different versions like especially like Joker being funny even like one of my favorite bits in The Dark Knight is the bit where he's talking to Michael Jai White and he's just like you think you just come in here and just dismantle this entire operation and without missing a beat he literally just says yeah (laughs) <laughs> just not even thinking about it for a second and it's it's really hilarious he has like funny moments that makes you still intimidated i think all the other jokers do have that aside from jared Lowe's joker who once again we are kidding around fuck that guy and his portrayal of joker so i will go with joker as well caitlin deciding factor who are you going with for me as much as i love joe i gotta go joker and part of it was what uh Adam said like you have so many different performances of Joker and so many facets of him and they're all brilliant like that's such a legendary character right there where you can have so many great performances and never get bored and have something new brought to the table every single time all right then Joker progresses a nail biter (laughs) 
This breaks this, like this breaks my heart so much. You do like, you like, like <laughs> are, are, are you cradling a Morton Joe like he yes. did that one? I'm just literally like, cradling my Blu-ray copies right now, and I said copies <laughs> plural. I have more than one. Oh, well, Lord. interesting. Interesting. All right. So now our next matchup, another very interesting one. Two. Uh, characters who I don't think would ever meet at any point. We have Annie Wilkes versus Khan Union Singh. Very odd <laughs> matchup once again. Uh, and I'm sorry, but these names are going to get funnier and funnier as this goes on. Yeah, well. <laughs> Very true. Very true. But, uh, you know, Shaquille, as you're speaking while you have the floor, go ahead and uh, you're first up in the round. Who's going? Uh, I got to go with Annie Wilkes on this because for all the reasons that we had mentioned prior where... Like, she is such a just a genuinely fascinating character. She's tragic. Like, you understand why she does the things she does, but you don't condone it in any sing- single shape, way, or form. But at the same time, I feel all that sympathy and I feel absolute just blinding fear at this woman. Like, I said, like with Khan, it's like, hey, yeah, that shit is cool and I love it. But Annie, there's so much, there's so many facets to her character that I love and am terrified of that I gotta go for her. All right, a point for Annie in her favor. Adam, who are you going with? <sighs> the old school pop culture fucking fangirl in me wants to choose Khan all day. But then the Stephen King sort of fangirl in me wants to choose Annie Wilkes. This is this is a battle. Uh, this is a battle is of the fangirls. <laughs> it, it is, it is, it is. And just Adam in his two different cosplays. But yeah. considering you're saying yep. it's a battle between the fangirls, maybe you should go ultra fangirl. Well, dude, you got to figure <laughs> I'm wearing a polyester like dress with a fake chest. So like, I'm not both. Um, <laughs> fuck. I got to go Annie Wilkes on this as much as I don't want to. I really want to go con, but I got to go Annie Wilkes. Just the performance on performance base alone. I'm going Annie Wilkes. All right, then. And he gets another point. And uh, I'm up next. This is tough to some degree. Uh, but I think the, the more I think about it, I think it's, it's got to be Annie, if nothing else, for I think both characters have a certain tragedy to them. But I, you know, Casey said this when we had the first fight about this, that I think Khan is definitely more ineffectual and has more of an ego to him in a way that makes me less engaged slightly with him compared to Andy Wilkes, who is so much more engaging with especially even stuff like he didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car, or the way she's so, like, uh, sympathetic and motherly early on, and then finding out how obviously she is. Also, more importantly, um, Khan never blew out Richard Farnsworth's chest with a shotgun, <laughs> which is one of my favorite, like, underrated deaths in a horror movie, where just that happens, you're like, oh my god, it's so upsetting. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with Annie. Annie will progress forward, but Let's hear from Caitlin. Who would you have voted for? In all honesty, it's got to be Annie for me. I love Khan, but the masterful performance of Kathy Bates and just the whole character of Annie is such a hard one to beat. All right. And uh, then, Casey, your last to say here, who would you have voted for? Well, as the resident Star Trek fan, as you can hear about on Double Edge Double Bill episode, I'm not certain wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> vote for Annie Wilkes. All right, then. So Annie uses her shotgun to blow off Khan's fake chest. <laughs> it's a real chest, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Nick- Nicholas 
Meyer has no motivation to lie to protect Ricardo Montalban. I buy it as real. It most, it most <laughs> certainly is not a real chest at all. <laughs> all right. if, this now, is not a hill to die on, on. Yes, it is. But do you think do you think Annie Wilkes could kill this con with a typewriter, or would it be this con killing Annie Wilkes with a typewriter? I'm very curious. I, uh, if I'm guessing Annie Wilkes wins because Khan doesn't know what a Z-axis is, so he will be very surprised when the <laughs> typewriter comes up from above. I think with the typewriter chimed, it would startle Khan. <laughs> <laughs> You're just what is picturing this? Ricardo Montalban like Ricardo Montalban no. like a cat who hears a noise going, "Huh? What?" Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> That's what happened. Also, what would work is she could kill him and then write down his Moby Dick quotes he had just said before he died <laughs> on the typewriter. It's perfect. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, Annie progresses on. Next matchup, Maleficent versus Red. Very curious. Uh, Adam, especially after your your hatred that you had from the last time we talked about Red, who progresses in this case? Uh, I didn't have hatred for Red. I had hatred for Maleficent. Um, the thing is... This is really difficult because I, I do agree. I think Maleficent is the be all end all of Disney villains, but I gave Hans Gruber a win by a fucking hair over Red um, because of that performance alone. And, and oh, I gotta go. Oh, I gotta go. Red. I'm going red on Maleficent. I know. Oh fuck! I hate myself for saying it, but I'm going red on Maleficent. And sorry about the confusion of anger. There's so many different. Uh, times you've been angry, I've been confused. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how about take some fucking notes? How <laughs> about stop being so petty? Oh, no, that's right. I do so little work on this show. Adam's right. I don't. I just don't do any work at all. Ah, uh, you fucking sandbagging piece of shit. All right, go ahead. <laughs> well, um, yes. Going ahead. I am next in this, and I gotta say, you know, between the two, I think the big thing we mentioned complexity with Red last time and i think with that complexity with her character and so many of the different various things especially like by the end of us like us as a movie i really really enjoyed the first time and the more i've seen even for the show when we did it the more i just kind of realized oh i love this movie and people who were really disappointed by get out it's like that's a perfect movie but us is so close to being a perfect movie and the main reason is probably the pinyango as red in particular and plus with maleficent they tried to make her a more complex character in terms of overall cinematic depictions with like the uh, maleficent spin-off movie and that was what really sunk that movie, I think, was some of the things they were trying to address, but going half back on because it's a Disney movie, all this other stuff. You can tell it like she works best as a simpler character. And thus with that simplicity, um, I gotta prefer the interesting, more complex dimensional thing that makes me think a bit more with red. So that's where my vote goes. Caitlin. This one is tearing my heart in two. I, I, I've i always been a dizzy kid. Maleficent has always t- scared the shit out of me. I adore her. But in all honesty, I, I hate to say this, but it easily goes to Red. Red's just got so much of a better story and the complexity between her and the fact that you could count Red or Adelaide as villains and... Uh, it's red god damn it <laughs> all right red is progressing forward but casey where would you have gone 
I also would have gone red, and that is tough because Maleficent is fun. Maleficent is fascinating. Maleficent is neat. Even the movie Maleficent, not a great movie. The moral of that movie is there's no greater love than that between Angelina Jolie and a child she adopts. That alone is fascinating. <laughs> true. I, so. I mean, but if you want the true Maleficent, go play Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I played 20 minutes of that in 2002, <laughs> and I would play another 20 minutes of that today. I think that Lupino Nyong'o gave two Oscar-worthy performances in a movie that got zero Oscars, and I will go with Red, and I will go with Us, and I will li- l- lean over to Daniel Kaluuya and say, you know, I would have voted for Us a third time if I could. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right. And uh, Shaquille, where would you have gone with oh, this it's not, even, it's not even close. It's red. And l- like, Caitlin took it from me, but I was going to say the only real attachment I have to Maleficent is literally just through Kingdom Hearts. That is it. Like, I <laughs> like I like Sleeping Beauty, but it's arguably like one of the Disney movies I rewatched the least. But yeah, it, it's red all the way. It wasn't even close. <laughs> all right. She is painting the board red. All over the place. Thank you. Try the veal. Tip your waitresses. All right. So we're moving on now to round three, the uh, final eight as of yet. Ooh, so it's uh, hard and it's getting harder. Oh, it'll be a bit harder, I'm sure. So now it's uh, Aiden Smith versus Amy Dunn. Very, very interesting matchup here. Let us go with moi. I'm first in this round. And it's another tough one. I think, in terms of iconography. Agent Smith has so much there, to the point where I'm so curious as to what they're going to do without him in Matrix 4. Um, but uh, Amy also has, like, so much interesting complexity to her character. Rosamund Pike is so phenomenal. Um, hmm. You know what? By a hair, I think I'm going with Amy, if nothing else, because she had the chance to kill Neil Patrick Harris, and Smith will not have the chance to in Matrix 4. So you know what? <laughs> I think that's the slide edge. I'll go with Amy. Now, uh, Caitlin. For me, this is kind of an easy one, even though I love Agent Smith. Uh, Amy Dunn is just such a fascinating character. The the portrayal's even better than Agent Smith's, if I'm being brutally honest. And phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Amy Dunn all the way. All right. Two for Amy. Casey, is this the, uh, the deciding factor? It is. Uh, I'm going to go with Amy. I th- I do really appreciate Agent Smith. I think Agent Smith is fun. I think Amy Dunn is fascinating. I like that you simultaneously know everything about her, and yet deep down you're still there's still a mystery of what makes her this way. And I think that is so cool. Another little bit of bias is that I think I do read a bit of the Jillian Flynn novel into the Amy Dunn as Rosamund Pike does, but she is spectacular in that and yeah fucking amy dunn all right amy dunn is progressing forward but let's hear from shaquille he's like i'm only voting for agent smith just so it's not a complete and total blowout but i will say about amy dunn is that i don't know if y'all have bought gone girl like the blu-ray or whatever but it comes with an amazing amy book it and does, it, and it's amazing that book is so it, good it's so good and it makes you go oh god no she's like it, it gives you an idea of how fucked Amy is, basically. And so, yeah, no, I love that book. But yeah, no, I'm voting Agent Smith because I'm still like loyal to my boy, and I just don't want it to be a complete and total wash. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give uh, a vote to Agent Smith. All right, then, uh, Adam, who would you have voted for, even though it does not matter at all? 
well, not to be petty, as I've been <laughs> accused of being, but uh, on personal bias and personal favorite and everything, I'm, I'm going to give it to Agent Smith. Uh, not to discredit Amy Dunn at all, but just Agent Smith is one of uh, you know, my favorite villains of all time, so I'm just going to stick with that. All right, well, Amazing Amy continues to amaze as she progresses forward here. Next up, Professor Umbridge versus Norman Bates. So we'll go with uh, Caitlin. You're first up in this. Who's going? Who's going forward? <sighs> okay, I heard... Uh... God damn it, Umbridge. <laughs> Umbridge is going forward for me. Mm. I love Norman Bates, but Umbridge scares me more because she's so real. I I can't. I I really can't. Damn it. <laughs> well, very interesting there. Umbridge has a point. Casey, who are you going with? You know, say what you will. I think this is the first matchup where I feel like the villains could be friends. Uh, <laughs> that makes it so much worse. It makes it so much worse. Yeah, Why are you doing they this? would have like imagine the dinner scene from Psycho, but Norman Bates and Dolores Umbridge. Oh no! And oh. he's he's found a new maternal figure in Umbridge. I'm sure about his kind relationship with mother is dead. Umbridge's mother now. <laughs> Mrs. Spool is replaced with Umbridge in Psycho 2. Boom, perfect movie. Uh, I think I'm narrowly going Umbridge on this one because, again, like Caitlin says, we all know an Umbridge. We don't necessarily all know a Norman Bates. I know a Norman Bates, but I shouldn't be talking about that according to my lawyer. So I'm going to stick with Umbridge. <laughs> all right, well, two for Umbridge. Shaquille, was this the deciding factor? It is. Uh, yeah, no, I'm also going Umbridge because Umbridge, bro, just the name of, like, you can tell any, like, book fan or just, like, a Harry Potter fan, if you say the word Umbridge, immediate blinding rage. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I gotta go, I gotta go Umbridge, but, like, all love to Norbert Bates. Because he desperately needs love, like, in his life. But, I mean, a boy's best friend is his mother. It's no problem. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, even though, Adam, it's not going to matter on Bridges progressing, who would you have gone with? Well, I'm going with Norman Bates. Uh, Norman Bates, uh, you know, just on the base factor that I don't know that we would have sort of the slasher villain, slasher genre as it is without Psycho and without Norman Bates. I, I think the lasting impression of the character and the villain itself uh, it's just monumental. Um, again, no disrespect to Dolores Umbridge, but yeah, to me, it's Norman Bates uh, all day. All right. Well, um, for me, like I said, it doesn't really matter, but I also would have gone with Norman Bates. If nothing else, I think I have a bit more investment in Norman Bates as a character that would make me vote for him necessarily. No disrespect to Umbridge. I agree a lot of like familiar sort of archetypes of teacher characters are out there that are familiar to Umbridge. Um, I think especially, we haven't said much about her, but Imelda Staunton is so fucking good in that role. And I think she especially has that same kind of, like, sweetness that works for, like, a sort of evil authority figure character um, that sneaks up on you. But Norman Bates, I think, also has a lot of that sweetness, and I think it's a bit more of the innocence that makes his villain turn all the more upsetting when it happens. Um, but also, at the same time, you have a bit of investment in him with even as horrible as it is that he murdered this woman. The bit where, like, he's trying to sink the car, and it doesn't sink all the way, and he gasps for a millisecond. You're almost like, oh, fuck, it didn't work. Wait, what am I thinking? Why would I think that? That's terrible. But it's that 
is how good Anthony Perkins' performance is. So you have at least that flash for a second. I don't know. I might be a sociopath. Who wonders? Because, uh, I mean, I'm putting myself through this. So, we're moving forward with a match made in the worst internet form, I think, possible. Um, Freddy versus Joker. Very curious to see how this goes. Casey, you're the first one up. Freddy. Uh, Freddy is the one that elevates his material. Joker is the one who I have to kind of take a moment where I get frustrated with culture because there's just so much Joker, and then it takes me a little bit to get into it. And I almost always do. Like, I put on The Dark Knight this morning, and then the bank robbery, I was like, okay, yeah, this is why I love this character. But I don't have that inhibition with Freddy. I love him right from the get-go. I love him in movies that aren't particularly good. And I love seeing whatever new set pieces they come up with. And I love his quips. Welcome to primetime, bitch. Welcome to primetime, bitch, indeed. Now uh, we will move forward to Shaquille. Who's going? Uh, This is... (laughs) This one hurts. This This one hurts. But uh, I'm sticking to what I said earlier. I think Joker might take the whole thing, so I got to go with Joker. This is a difficult one for me to pick. But yeah, it's it's going to him. All right, then. Now we're on to Adam. I'm going Freddy Krueger. Uh, basically, I'll echo everything Casey just said. And uh, I think Freddy Krueger is probably the most important or icon since 1984 and the most popular and the most identifiable. And he still uh, scares new generations to this day. He's still important. He's still just an absolute icon of the genre and as a villain himself. Uh, So yeah, Freddy Krueger all day. All right. I am next up here. I agree with Shaquille. This is very tough. I really love various, you know, I, I love these characters and their various different permutations. Even within Robert England, he had so many different permutations. And I think that's why even with, like, a Jackie Earl Haley, who I agree was, like, terrible, despite being a good idea in theory to cast him, I think we can go with Freddy Krueger, if nothing else, because Robert England contained such multitudes within just one person on permutations of a character, and still was so consistently good even in the worst of the movies, that I gotta go slightly with him. I think it's what's making him progress, despite, obviously, various different great versions of the Joker, but all came from various different performers. I gotta go with Freddy for sure on that. But, Caitlin, even though your vote does not matter, who would have gone? As much as I love Freddy, it would have gone to Joker. Because, yeah, Freddy is terrifying, but to me, Joker has so many layers. He's terrifying, he's funny, he can be sad at times, uh, he can be horrifying. It's... I think Joker just delivers more as an overall character than Freddy. Though, I gotta give Freddy Krueger mostly Robert England props for the nuances he does. Like, this one was a real tough one. Alright, well, Freddy progresses forward. The clown prince of your dreams beats the clown prince of crime. And we are going now it, with our final match. I, I feel like y'all did it like, as, as a fuck me to like, hey, he said he's gonna win, so let's make sure he doesn't win. No, to be fair, I No think- one tell about the group text I sent. To be fair, <laughs> I, I, to be fair if there's anybody that the Joker lost to, I'm, I'm like, I'm cool that it's Freddy. Yeah, like, this one was so close. They're both such icons. This, oh, this was a tough one. 
this was dirty. Well, we're about to get down to the wire here. Our final matchup, though, of the final eight. Annie Wilkes versus Red. Horror ladies facing off against each other. Very curious where this will go. Shaquille. Red. <laughs> On the pure basis, listen. Black women. I gotta go with black women. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but no, seriously, like serious seriously though. Um I just connect like the tragedy of Red's character, especially when you could take in like the shit that Adelaide does. It makes both of their stories rich much more richer to me, and both their journeys much more richer. So like I gotta go with I gotta go with Red. Alright then. Adam. Fuck. <laughs> this is this is a really hard one. Uh you know, first one that popped in my head out of two, I'm going red as well. Performance space alone because it is two performances by the same actress and both are just masterful. Uh yeah, I'm going red. Alright. Hmm. Pretty tough for me on these two. Um Mm, they both have a lot of interesting tragedy to their characters. I, mm, mm. you know what? I'm gonna go with Red, if nothing else, because she was far more intimidating to actually beat ultimately in her film. Versus Annie Wilkes uh, was very difficult, but ended up getting plunged with a pig metal statue thing, as opposed to Red. Uh, you know, she had to get stabbed pretty hard. Uh, after a big dance fight. The most <laughs> horrific dance fight of all. So I'll go with Red as well. Red is progressing, but Caitlin, who would you have gone with? As much as I love Annie Wilkes, man, and I love her, it's easily Red for me. The nuance of that performance and the fact that I'm sitting here, the more we talk about Red, basically as soon as this is over, I'm going to go watch Us. That has That, that to me, tells me ultra villain all right casey i legit gonna be a... i legit think i'm gonna do the same thing yeah i know right i'm like kind of <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so i can go sure. watch well inter- very interesting all right and uh casey it's gonna be a blowout is any gonna get a pity point what are you gonna do i do want to give her a pity point but if i do shaquille will point out it's because i'm white uh... <laughs> <laughs> i won't do it this time i promise you i won't do it this time I'm going to give, I guess I'm going to give Annie Wilkes a pity point because I don't think she deserves to lose in a blowout. But if I was the deciding vote, I would vote for Red from us. All right, then. Red, moving forward, she got out of the cock-a-duty car. Andy can't say anything about it. All right, gentlemen and lady, we are down to the final four. And what a final four it is. Let's start off with our first round of the final four, Amy Dunn. Versus Professor Umbridge. Adam, who are you going for? Uh, <laughs> this is basically like, Freddy's the only male in this. I'm shocked. That's crazy. That's true. Very true. I'm, man. Uh, I gotta go Umbridge. I'm going Umbridge. Well, what made you decide that ultimately? I don't know, dude. <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> just the, the one I remember the most, the one that kind of like creeped me out the most, you know, like I said, the handwriting thing, her mentality, just everything about her with her 
her sort of soft demeanor and is how fucking evil she really is. I'm going on bridge. Plus she's a goddamn wizard. All right. Well, I'm up next, and I think you, you mentioned a lot of things about Umbridge, obviously, with like the softer demeanor and also the stuff that ends up being a bit more sinister by the end of it. I think Amy has a lot of that, but has so much more of like the interesting complexity to her as a villain, where by the time like you know things get to like where she's stay like trying to stay out and like have her like whole scheme go, it's kind of like the thing I mentioned about Norman Bates, where like Amy when she gets robbed at a certain point when she's in that freaking cabin and she's like screaming in her pillow for a split second, I am just like, oh man, that's fucked up. She got lost all her money. Oh wait, she's <laughs> she has so many fucked up psychopathic tendencies, but at the same time, gotta feel a bit bad for. Her. I think it's a lot. On you know uh, Rosamund Pike, no insult to Malda Staunton, but yeah, I'm going, I'm going Amy on this one, Caitlin. This one is brutal for me because <laughs> I love to hate Umbridge, I do, but Amy Dunn, I think she's just got. If we're talking performance, I think she edges out slightly. And not only that, she's got so much nuance while Umbridge is just racist bitch. Terrifying racist bitch. But to me, Amy Dunn's just got that bit more. Oh, this one's hard. So I go. All right. Well, well, very interesting. Casey, will this be the deciding vote? I think I am going Umbridge only because it gets back to the idea of the villain you know, and we all know an Umbridge. We might not know an Amy Dunn. Okay, well, down to the wire. Shaquille, the deciding vote is yours. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Why is that the fall on me? Um, <laughs> hmm. This one's difficult because like, th- this is difficult because it's like yeah they're two great villains. I don't know if I want to go for the one I hate more or the one I fear more. You know this- what? I'll go, I'll go with Amy because as fucked up as it was and as how terrified I was of her, I really wanted to see what more she could do. And even though you say we all know an Umbridge, I have a fear that like there is a potential of an Amy done in literally everybody. So <laughs> that scares me more than Umbridge does. That That is very true. There are plenty of cool girls out there who have been wronged by their men. Oh, don't get me started, man. That's what I'm saying. And, like, and every woman, like, not even, like, in a, like, in a disparaging way, like, this is, like, this is legitimately, like, every woman, I think, has a potential Amy done in her, and that should scare you more than anything. <laughs> It should that scare I, you that that society has pushed women to that yeah, point. Yeah, that's what I mean. It, very true. That's a whole yeah, the whole other societal discussion. But yes, that is very much the case. Also, that explains why my last three girlfriends have all disappeared. I have been accused of their murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> In retrospect, I should do some introspection. Casey, you really should have checked that shed. Get all that stuff out of there. Uh, <laughs> There's no sheds in Brooklyn. I don't know where they got it. <laughs> Casey, you might want to make a couple calls. You're probably wanted by the police. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just need to call Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry can get me. <laughs> Tyler Perry will save you. I, I will say this also. Like Red, the more we talk about Amy Dunn, the more I want to watch Go- Gone Girl again. Oh yeah, I'm so glad we watched it right before we recorded. And it, it, yeah, it really that, just increased even my, my love of it more. 
that makes one of us because oh, 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 I want to sleep tonight. So, <laughs> well, that well, right there should tell you how scary that bitch is. Well, hopefully, Adam, you have sweet dreams and don't get up against either Freddy in them or even Red in this final horror matchup. Very interesting here. I am the starting and ugh. Hmm. <laughs> Big icon. Yeah, this is. I know. It's pretty rough for me. Yeah, it's it's a true icon versus an underrated gem. It's very tough for me. Off. Oh, hmm. Do. Uh. You know what? I'm gonna ultimately side with a Freddy, if nothing else, because I think Red has so many like systematic complexities to her. But Freddy like fears like has a fear that I think resonates no matter what age you are. Like it's an eight to eighty <laughs> age is eight to eighty fear of Freddy Krueger. Where like at any point we're just like, Oh, I've fallen asleep, is something gonna kill me in my sleep? Is this gonna be like either whether it is Freddy or just some other horrible thing? The concept of dying in your sleep is really affecting and Freddy embodies so much of that with a great personality and all sort of stuff. I my vote is going to Freddy for this one. Caitlin. Where are you siding? Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this one hurts. Uh, like, I keep saying that, but as we've gotten further, it hurts more and more. Um, it's just a constant pain. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love Freddy. I do. But to me, Red has so many more layers than Freddy. Red, I can sympathize with. Freddy, I can't. Your kid diddler. No, I can't sympathize with you. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, you were abused. I'm sorry, but you, you started touching little kids. Nah, nah. Not only that, but as much as I love Robert England, and I love Robert England, Lupita Nyong'o's... She got robbed at the Oscars, man. She got robbed at award shows. It is probably one of the most masterful performances we've seen in cinema. And not only that, but she pulled the role of two people. And both, both were absolutely amazing. It's gotta be red for me, man. Well, of course, uh, not to say anything that Robin England was totally robbed of his Oscar for Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Clearly. <laughs> uh, very, very clearly. Also want to note, I didn't vote for Freddy because he's a child diddler. I want to make that very clear uh, after <laughs> Caitlin mentioned all these things. But now we've got Casey. Where are you going? I am also going Freddy. Uh, it gets down to, y'all know me, if I have to choose between something new and fresh and something old, I try to override my own recency bias. I feel like Freddy is going to stand the test of time a little bit better. I think that there's going to still be kids who might not know the plot of Nightmare on Elm Street, but they are going to know Freddy. Alright, two to one to Freddy, Shaquille, are we going to decide and vote here? Uh, no. You know, for the basis of making this go down to the wire, I'm not voting for Freddy. Uh, I'm voting for Red. Like, I, literally, this is a purely a political... You asshole. I just had this whole shit left up on me on the last match. This one, because this, to me, is just like Joe and Joker. I'm not doing the final blow and it's gonna hurt my soul. I'm not doing that anymore. Y Brother, I'm sorry. I gotta put this on you, but like, 
I gotta put this on you. Hold on. Before Adam makes the final decision, I just would like to note the arc of this buddy friendship over the course of this three hours has been so <laughs> fascinating. It has. Where Sha- Shaquille has gone full face turn heel against Adam, no, and Adam is, is now... A, this is not a against Adam move. This is a, you make the decision because I can't do it. That's an against no, Adam. Man, he can't make decisions. Shit, shit. No, no, no. No, You're throwing no. him under the bus, bro. You are throwing him under the bus so hardcore. Our fucking shit runs deep. I got. Don't worry, Shaq. I got you. Thank you. I got you. you. You're wrong, but I got you. Okay, that, that, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. All right, well, Adam, you've got to do the final decision here. Oh, Who know, is Freddy progressing Kruger. forward? Freddy huh? Krueger. Uh, no suspense, great. Go ahead and give me Everything Casey said. For everything Casey said. He's such a long lasting thing. I mean, before I even saw a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, I knew who Freddy Krueger was. My daughter, granted, because she, she's seen like my fucking like collectibles and paraphernalia, but she knows who Freddy Krueger is. That's how identifiable Freddy Krueger is as a character. He's so iconic. He will always be that iconic. He's basically horrors. Batman or Superman, he's right up there in horror. Uh, you know, you got to figure there's Jason and Freddy, Michael Myers, there's Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, the most iconic characters ever in horror as far as modern day horror. Um, he will always stand the test of time. And for that, I think he's absolutely a shoe in. Um, don't be wrong. Again, I'm watching us when we're done because it is that great. And she is that fantastic in it. But yeah, it's Freddy Krueger. All right. Well, Freddy continues to at least keep Red alive with his sweater as he moves to the final matchup. Ladies and gentlemen, our final matchup of the evening. Amy Dunn from Gone Girl versus Freddy Krueger from A Nightmare on Elm Street for the greatest movie villain March Madness championship. Caitlin who are you voting for? Oh, I gotta start this shit off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck me. Um, again, I love Freddy. I do. But again, to me, I'm gonna go for a more nuanced character rather than just fear. And to be fair, here's the thing. Yeah, I might fear dying in my sleep. But I fear people like Amy Dunn a lot more. Because I can sympathize with them. But also be terrified of them. All right. One for Amy Dunn. Casey. I am going to pull a technicality on this. This is a bracket for best movie villain. And Amy Dunn is an adaptation of a book villain. Yes, that still counts. But even then, I still find myself comparing my her to the book version. And I find the movie version a tad watered down. So I'm wait, still... Okay, no, no. Wait, I'm going to interrupt on, right on, here. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, for a second. That's right. water speak, let, speak. Let, let, the man, let, let him have his chance. Thank you, Stellan Skarsgård from Chernobyl. <laughs> uh... uh I think that she is a bit watered down compared to her book version. So even when I'm watching it, I still find myself mildly frustrated that it's not hitting some of the notes that I wanted to hit that I know the writer of the book, who is also the writer of the movie, had hit before. And as a result, I think I'm going to give it slightly to Freddy on this. 
I do want to say something right now. That card you're pulling is bullshit. Because here's the thing. You voted HAL 9000. Oh, I, it is totally HAL bullshit. HAL 9000 is much better in the book. Then Caitlin, Alice you can Linda. take the card I'm pulling, bury it underground, yeah, it's and all, fertilize a field. It's all, I will acknowledge that, but it is the logic that I'm appealing. That, that's fine. Yeah, that's, like, that's fine. It's just personal opinion. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Well, well, okay. Okay, already tense. Very tense already. One to one here. Uh, Shaquille... Uh, what bullshit card will you pull? <laughs> like, no, what I want to say is, if that's the watered-down version, I'm afraid of Amy Dunn <laughs> Pure Unfiltered. <laughs> um, that being said, I gotta go with Freddy just this once. <laughs> it... Th- this is like by a microscope, <laughs> by a microscope. But we're go. But this is one of those ones where I'm gonna go purely based off of the legacy and how big, like how essentially is Freddy is the face of horror of modern horror, and that's an undeniable force to me. So yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Freddy. But this is God. This is difficult. <laughs> All right. Well, two for Freddy, one for Amy. This could be the deciding factor, especially if Adam goes in the predictable route. Adam! Well, not to be predictable, even though I'm going to be, but no discredit to Amy Dawn, or especially um, the actress who played her. She, it's, it's a terrifying sort of performance. I mean, it, it, it does stick with you, and it really does, and it, it is disturbing, and it does bother me, and, and she's so fucking just amazing in it. I mean, she's she's literally incredible in it, but if I'm going to legacy, if I'm going importance to cinema, if I'm going icon, iconography, I, I'm going Freddy Krueger. Well, alright, well, even though my vote doesn't really count, we know who the winner is, I will say, I think it's a very tough matchup. I have a lot of respect for Amy, especially as the sort of Rocky of this tournament, being the underdog who progressed this much further. Um, And if nothing else, I would love to see the movie in which Amy has to fight Freddy Krueger in her dreams, especially (laughs) if she plans this out and Freddy Krueger is completely put off by this. And then again, you know, that makes me wonder... But we're not going by, like, fighting off each other. Um, I, that's a movie I just really want to see. Just basically free, like, whoa, this lady, I can't even fuck with it. I'm, I'm, I gotta, like, wake <laughs> her up. Um, but I would still honestly, overall, go with a Freddy Krueger. It is the predictable choice. I'm going predictable as well with it. But I, I think it's what we said. Freddy is so much more intimidating as sort of, like, a spectral force that has been going on forever. Even though Amy has, obviously, a lot of, like background stuff that would make her intimidating in a way that, you know, sadly, the four dudes voted for Freddy um, uh, against this fight. <laughs> but, no, here, um, I'm gonna be fair to you. This was one I, like, both of the, like, side, like, the final four and the final two, I'm not mad at, like, who won and who lost. It was such a close competition. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, we have our winner, ladies and gentlemen, the March Madness winner for Double Edge Double Bill of Best, Greatest, All-Time Movie Villain is Mr. Frederick Krueger. I, mean, I can't that... be mad, but God, did no, I... No, I can't be mad either. <laughs> I'm just shocked, because it's always Joker, like, pretty much... Oh. Yeah, honestly, I thought, I thought 
I thought when Joker won the first round, I was like, Joker's going to run the fucking gamut. It just it turned out on who he was matched up against. That's all it Pretty, was. Yeah. No, Peak Behind the Curtain, I did a prediction bracket when you first sent this to us in March or oh. February. And I assumed it was going to go down to Anton Chigurh versus uh, Joker, and Chigurh wins. And Oh, man, that no, was, I was good way off. He got knocked out in the first round. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, How did they go with it? Roy Bader should be final. Villain, I, <laughs> I also thought Vader would beat Biff Tannen. Well... Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Look, all expectations were out the window Literally when that happened. Your fault. <laughs> I, I will say my thing is most of these I wouldn't be mad if any of them won except Thanos. Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> oof, all right. Thanos, bitch. Let's go. Everybody, come on. We're at the end of the three hours. We have gone through a lot, but it is time to uh, say one. Uh, this is the end of this particular podcast, but we have some things to see before we get out of here, including we want to have our guests uh, get some plugs. Uh, we'll go ahead and go in the order that we previously established. Uh, Kaylin, um, you got, I know you got the D&D podcast, right, to plug? Uh, yeah, 0% Values D&D. We actually have several campaigns going on. We've got two Draylic campaigns. This is one by run by the wonderful Helena Hex. And... The two Draylic campaigns are more fantasy-based. And then we got a space one, which is more space-based. And all of them are fun. And so friggin' crazy. One of the males ended up pregnant last time because he fell in demonages. And it's been a wild ride. And uh, people can find that on YouTube, Yeah, they can find it on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, give it a listen. But mostly, uh, let's get Shaquille plugging his stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll have Shaquille get his turn, of course. But yeah, uh, Casey, you're you're next up on the the, the docket here. Uh, what do you have to promote? If My anything? arguably more important uh, would be. Uh, my Twitter, Casey Gerard, K-A-Y-C-E-J-A-R-R-A-R-D. You can also find me on Instagram under the same name. You can also follow my uh, Simpsons Instagram, Off Model Simpsons. If you want more images of when the Simpsons went off model, if you need that in your life, if you do, I would also refer a th- therapist. And you can also <laughs> check out uh, Shaquille Eye's debut album, Ghetto Sadness, coming out August 2017. Let's go! Let's oh, God. For the summer of 2017. This you know is going to be so bad. <laughs> Sadly, not a real plug, but one I would hope and dream becomes reality at some point no time is um, when we circle back to the next august 2017 we'll get it yeah you know <laughs> for, seven, sure, for sure seven thousand one hundred and two <laughs> the dropping just in time for the heat death of the sun now shaquille yeah. uh go ahead and promote yourself all right so let me just get like the like the whatever stuff out of the way so like it's social media Shack Excellence, S-H-A-K Excellence, that's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, all that stuff. Uh, the more important thing is that I have a GoFundMe. I, it, it's not run by me, but it's run by this company called After Breast Cancer, who like specializes in just like helping women, mainly, yeah, mainly women go through like dealing with cancer, whether it's recovery or the press or whatever. Um, my mother is currently fighting her fourth battle with cancer. And the treatment for it can only be done essentially in Germany. So we've put up a GoFundMe. It, we're trying to raise about over $150,000. I know that's a lot. But thankfully, right now, there's been a lot of support. There's been over 80K raids so far 
and that's just in counting. Uh, a friend of mine is literally as like as we're recording this, a friend of mine is doing a Twitch stream and already raised over a thousand dollars. Um, just, so just everyone who's donated and shared, I there are no words to just say how much I appreciate it and thank you. Um, just keep sharing if you can donate, like do it if you if you're able to. Don't put yourself out of our way for that, but just know that we appreciate it and just thank you so much. Uh, I pinned the tweet on my Twitter. You could find like the link to the GoFundMe, and uh, yeah. So thank you. Yeah, we've definitely we've had it in the show notes of the past couple episodes, and we're definitely gonna have it in the notes here for sure for the Patreon uh, episode. You can definitely uh, get that link, and please like as Shaquille mentioned, please share or donate if you can. It's a good cause, and we'll definitely keep uh, promoting it as much as we can. Thank you. Um, and Adam, what about your stupid things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is up with that? Oh, no, I'm sorry. What have we got on me? Shit. Fuck you, Roy Bad. I mean, this is hard to beat, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, yeah, let, let me spice it up a little bit. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Adam or Adam, A T O M underscore or underscore A T A M. It's mostly just uh, pictures of a mural I've been painting on my wall, a uh, bunch of hip hop greats, and then, you know, my dogs, my kids, you know, shit like that. I, uh, you know, but again, to piggyback on what Shaq said, you know, we've shared it on our show notes, we've shared it uh, privately on our uh, social media posts, whatever you can do. If you can follow that, even if you can't donate, just share the link to so maybe some people who can can uh, sort of help him out and take care of that situation. Yes, for sure. And you can find my stupid things of my own over at Not the Who's Tommy Twitter, Instagram. Do some they're all Mary really, Thomas. They're all Prisoner. really stupid. They're all really <laughs> stupid. Yes. No, that's true. They're they're as stupid as what Adam puts out in his thing for sure. Yes, yeah, so they're stupid. Equal- it's <laughs> so stupid. Oh, that's fine. I love you, buddy. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and now the who's Tomming Twitter, Instagram, all that. And uh, yeah, I also do some writing there on Thomas.wordpress.com and also on film cred, friend of the show, Sarah Sarantino's site. I'll have my Godzilla article probably around this time. And speaking of which, while you're on the Patreon, look forward to a couple things. One, this same week that we're putting this out, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong's coming out. It's going to yep. be a big thing. Uh, we're going to do an On the Edge of Relevance about it, our initial thoughts. They'll come out shortly, probably during this weekend, after this is posted. Uh, they'll be out. And also, next time, when we do our media discussion, we will be doing um, a whole discussion on WandaVision, the MCU show. I have seen it. I followed it as it was airing. Adam has yet to see it. Not a single episode. No, I'm, I'm very curious to see where we uh, land on that. And on that note, good night, Edgelords, because uh, I'm so tired. I'm so, <laughs> so tired. <laughs> I'm going to go watch God. us. Uh, yeah, good night, everybody. And uh, fuck, fuck, uh, you know, everybody. And uh, hashtag Roy Batty for life. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs>